This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 73. Are we really here? Because I think we're, we're not actually here together. Well, we're not together. Um, Mr. No. Mr. Bain is remote, but we're going mm-hmm. to carry on and do the episode anyways. Uh, Goddamn right. We are going to go a 2021 year in review tonight. This is kind of trippy. It's like the second or third of these that we've done now because we've been doing the show for that long. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we've uh, we've gone through what seventy three regular episodes. We've done, uh, gosh, I don't know, twenty interviews. So we should we should count. Yeah, we're, we're rounding up to a hundred episodes. Um, and another year has passed, Mister Bain. So let's uh, let's you know just kind of review. And it's been a slow month of recording. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's uh, let's mm-hmm. tie up loose ends from past episodes. Uh, we had lots of good feedback on our point counterpoint with Mr. Hunter Hernandez. Um, I think. Yeah, I think we we definitely need another point counterpoint because he had a lot of positive feedback and, and I th- it was a great conversation because it wasn't the devil's advocate version of us talking about oh well I feel this way but you realistically both of us like feel the same way. This was really good conversation. It was, and there there definitely was you know a difference of opinion between us and Hunter. And I thought mm-hmm. he made good points. I don't agree with all of them, but I thought he made good points. He pointed mm-hmm. out some things I had not thought of. And mm-hmm. uh, it's something where we should look at, you know, another topic like that, that, uh, you know, we can discuss and not not a debate, but discuss, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we were given a couple options in uh, in the DMs uh, actually today. Yeah. Uh, newer followers, so I kind of I dug that. That could also be a devil's advocate episode, either one, but um, – I think it's uh, definitely another another uh, bucket to start uh, start filling up as far as uh, as far as episodes. Yeah, and uh, you know I announced it on our, the APF Instagram today, uh, mm-hmm. following up on our episode with the main event project. The APF WPC has approved the new women's weight classes: 100 kilos, 110 kilos, and the new unlimited or super heavyweight class. In other federations, we called unlimited. In the APF, mm-hmm. it will be now uh, above 110. So two new weight classes That's for females. Absolutely awesome. Very, very excited for that. And uh, congrats to the main event project for you know, making that that issue and that concern of uh, the ladies uh, much more public and known and, and making things happen pretty freaking quickly. Like it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think we were the, honestly the last one to announce anything, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because – I think we internally in the APF and WPC did, you know, really discuss this issue. There's a lot of emails that went back and forth, a lot of phone calls, um, mm-hmm. you know, something that we really wanted to make sure we didn't just react. You know, it, it's something we yep. have talked about before. Um, we wanted to carefully consider, and I think making the number of weight classes, even between men and women, makes a lot of sense. And that's why we decided to go with a, adding a 220 and a 242 class, a 100 and 110 kilo class. So now men and women have the same number of weight classes, uh, but not exactly the same weight classes. I personally don't think that's ideal for women. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm super opposed to adding a 
275 and 38 per se, like some other federations mm-hmm. did. I just, I'm not sure it makes sense to have more weight classes for females. I think it makes sense to have an equal number. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. And uh, it, is, it feels as simple as it is. It feels very much like big progress as far as, uh, you know, the ladies go. So I'm very, very excited for it. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about we've definitely had a lot of growth when it comes to female powerlifting in our meets and the APF WPC and powerlifting in general. So I, I think mm-hmm. I think the time was right. And yes, props to the main event project for bringing that issue to the forefront and being a big, I think, a positive uh, advocate for women's powerlifting. Yes, a positive advocate for change. What you don't just argue and scream your way to getting your what you want. Yeah, amazing. Crazy <laughs> Let's move on to what's going on. I'll go first for a change today, Mr. Bain. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, two meets in December, and it's been a pretty busy fall, early, early winter for me. Um, we had the <laughs> Illinois Raw Power Challenge a couple weeks ago now, and last weekend, uh, as of recording this, like a week and a half, I guess just over a week ago, um, we had the yep. Midwest Equipped Open. We had, about we had about 150 lifters over two days at the Illinois Raw Power Challenge. Back to a two-platform event. Um, we had our largest ever Midwest Equipped Open. Um, we had, I think, uh, 35 registered lifters. We ended up with 32 or 33 lifters that uh, came to the meet. Um, I, you know, we had lifters from, I think, 10, 11, 12 different states at the Midwest yep. Equipped Open, including some crews from Maine, California, Florida. Florida, Ohio, Ohio. Kansas. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was... It was quite the barn burner, I, I will I will say. Yeah, especially for, you know, essentially a, a local regional meet. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm, I'm going to try to play catch up this next couple weeks here at the <laughs> end of the year and, and get through some of my paperwork. And uh, I know people have been asking about registrations for events for next year. Um, I'm going to get on that soon as well. Um, Dane, what is going on with you? Uh, well, let's come back from New York. Uh, I, as you mentioned, we had the Midwest equipped, and so I did compete in my very first uh, equipped uh, meet, which was exciting. It was really cool, uh, awesome experience. And then immediately jumped on a plane the next day and flew to upstate New York, where I trained uh, folks from my client for uh, about three and a half days, uh, progressively watching my uh, the blown out vein in my eye get worse and worse. Uh, that Perfect. Was the main topic of conversation. Oh, it was phenomenal. Uh, multiplies the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, gymnastics is in full swing for Lily, uh, and also very exciting. Lily is signed up uh, for the amateur day for the women's program. Uh, very, very excited to uh, to have her at uh, compete in that environment, and then to have uh, it sounds like my youngest daughter Ella is also going to come and cheer her on. So have her experience that uh, women's program environment, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So. Yeah, uh, my wife Jackie was able to sign up. Uh, our teammate Stacy was able to sign up. Our mm-hmm. friend from Florida, Donna Bingham, was able to sign up. So, yep. uh, and Miss she, she's going equipped as well. Yeah, and Miss John is signed up for the pro day. Miss Jennifer Gimmel. So we, we're going to have mm-hmm. a nice crew from uh, from Two XL there at that meet. I do believe it's Doctor Jennifer Gimmel. She didn't go to eight years of Eagle Medical School. So you know what's funny is I actually had a I had a science teacher, uh, ironically, as Doctor Gimmel is a science teacher who in high school mm-hmm. as a freshman told me I didn't go to school for ten years. If you were to call me Mister. 
Okay, Doc Swedler, yeah. just pump the brakes, buddy. Yeah, so is, is, is it ma'am? Where, where are we going here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bane, you know, uh, you don't have to spend a bunch of time because I think we could probably do a full episode, and we've talked about uh, this. I think, think, think that's a plan at some point. Yeah, uh, you know, we've talked about maybe bringing Bob Merck back on to talk about um, the chapter he talked about in the gear uh, in the gear book um, that uh, mm-hmm. Dave Kirshen put together. But transitioning from raw to equipped, I think, is definitely an episode that has some meat on the bone, but, you know, maybe just a little, mm-hmm. spend a little bit of time talking about views from your first equipped meet. Uh, well, they were pretty blurry. I'll tell you that much once, uh, once I stood up with most of that wave. <laughs> no, it, it was it was cool. It was neat to do something that we've been talking about for, for a decent amount of time. Like, you know, I talked about, the tran- about trying to transition and then, you know, starting to put on gear and, and then it kind of is going through this process, really a, a year year to the day of my last raw meet. Uh which is really cool just to kind of see that progression in 12 months. And, you know, I didn't hit all the numbers I wanted to. I don't think any of us ever really do. Like, I mean, I certainly have goals in mind, but, uh, you, you know, perspective is, is important that very few lifters ever even get to sniff a thousand pound squat. And not only did I get to, I got to take a shot at it, two shots at it technically. Uh, since I had to pick it twice, uh, in my very first equipped meet. And, and so I can't be upset about that. Uh, give everybody plenty of scares on the bench. Uh, this very, got really excited much. on that. <laughs> yeah. Got real excited and, and, you know, we were able to, to reel it back in and put it together. And, you know, again, not, not the ideal. And when I say ideal, like, you know, the fairy tale type of, of ending of the meat that I wanted, but you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I, I did everything I could. I posted a pretty big total for, for any meat, but let alone my first multiply meat. And, uh, very, very excited for what is uh, what is in the future. Okay, excellent. Yeah, from my perspective, Bane, I thought you had a, a solid day. Um, you did scare me on the bench. I was by the t- <laughs> yes, Sean Copland. Scared looked, everybody. Sean Copland looked who who is pretty like even keeled. Who was coaching you, and calling your numbers? He looked legitimately <laughs> concerned after your second bench um, yeah. when he came up to give your say repeat. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was close. It was, it was touch and go there on the bench, but you know, squat, yeah. I mean, Hey, uh, what, what were the numbers, Mr. Bain, for those that don't follow you on the socials? Sure. So I, we opened with 881, we jumped to 953 and then once, uh, cause that, that actually moved better out of the hole than the 881. And, Agree. uh, once, uh, once I walked off, uh, you know, Sean looked at me and I'm like, let's load it up. Let's go. And so I, I knew what he was loading up. You know, putting four fifty-five kilos, one thousand three pounds on the bar, and uh, you know, I stood up with it. And as soon as I stood up, I started tipping backwards. And Juan El Saver Campion was able to put me back in with the rest of the team. Uh, I looked at you because technically you had given me the squat command, but it was as I was saying, take it. Uh, and so I think, as you said, like you, you kind of rushed the squat command. So I was like, hey, like you know, you can run it back. And now watching the video, I actually had about nine more seconds to pick that. And I should have just taken a little extra time because what happened in the hole was I just got loose, uh, which mm-hmm. was disappointing because I, I think I handled it a lot better. Uh, and then 545 was my opening bench. Again, did take me three tries to get that. Scared the hell out of everybody. Uh, and then uh, I opened with a 600-pound deadlift. We jumped to 655 and then just took a little jump to 673, and someone turned the magnets on. Uh, not sure what happened there, but uh, – yeah, I mean, Alex overall five for nine on the day, which doesn't seem great, but again, a lot more variables when you got all that, all the gear, all the different stuff, and that's why we decided to do it as a local regional meet. You know, not travel very far so I could minimize some of those variables. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, the squat I thought was solid, deadlift solid, 
Bench, uh, scary. <laughs> Bench, stupid. Bench, uh, uh, but you know, I, I got a lot of, I got a huge, like firsthand crash course education in, in the gear and, and what it's, what it's like to compete at one of those types of meets. And, uh, I will be a better lifter for, which I'm stoked about. And I'm just excited to get back in the gym and, and start training for whatever comes next year. Okay. Excellent. Mr. Bain. Well, again, well, I think we'll spend some more time, you know, tossing that topic around. I mean, I've said, I really mm-hmm. never did raw. I mean, obviously I, I lifted raw, but I never yeah. practice. practice. I never really competed raw and I certainly didn't compete raw for a number of years as you did, or as Bob mm-hmm. Merck did. Um, and then, you know, going from that to equipped, I think is a topic that, you know, we do have a lot of by, by, uh, by curious, you know, uh, ply curious lifters, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. ply curious, <laughs> ply curious lifters that listen, listen to the podcast that might be interested in, you know, dipping their toe into single ply, which is bullshit or multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something we've, we can spend some time looking at, but Mr. Bain, uh, let's move on. What is you are fake news. Maybe. Yeah. Did you hear that, Mr. Bain, or no? No, I, did, I didn't hear it, actually. Oh, well, maybe you don't. Well, it, it, it was played. Maybe it only goes through. Uh, se- oh. Maybe it doesn't go through the phone to you, but I, I did play the, the Trump news. I'll play it again for those in the studio audience. You are fake news. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so I did, uh, uh, I did play that, but uh, what, what is fake news, Mr. Bain? I don't like Baldwin is fake news anymore, man. Uh, for those who don't know, you know, there's a controversy around a, a – uh, movie he was filming and uh, terrible tragedy. Someone was shot with a prop gun and 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 they passed away. Uh, terrible tragedy. Absolutely horrible. I, I don't want to dismiss that at all. However, the his first interview afterwards, like actual interview, not just people catch him on the street, uh, was someone is responsible for firing that gun, but it's not me. Yeah, and I, think I was he, like, dude, th- it was in your hand and you pulled the trigger. I think he claimed that he didn't actually pull the trigger. I I think that's what he said in the interview, but there are a significant number of folks that were there and witnessed go, oh, no, he most definitely did. Uh, so, yeah, he is fake news. Like, I, I get it. Like, you you are trying to avoid, and your lawyers are probably telling you, like, hey, like, until there's certain types of evidence, don't admit to anything. But, dude, you're fake news. I mean, in that case, so, just just do nothing, say nothing. Don't do yeah, interviews with my quiet. suggestion. Yeah, just you have the right to remain silent for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't understand so, why why these individuals do these type of interviews. They just because I think they're celebrities. They're just used to talking their way out of things. Like just shut your mouth and say nothing about it. Say my lawyers advise me yeah. to say nothing. The uh, you know uh, Dwayne Johnson said it best: know your role and shut your mouth. Agree. So, Stone, what is? Oh, I don't have it queued up. But what is fake news, Mr. Bain? Yeah, what uh, is fake news? What uh, is fake news? Yeah. Uh, Power Paintball, whom is our neighbor here <laughs> at 2XL, <laughs> is fake news. They're bullshit. Any, any expletive you want to throw in there. Um, this is the second time that one of their patrons has hit a sprinkler. The first time that I can remember. Actually, actually but probably more than that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the times I remember was the night before WPC Worlds last year. And we're setting up for this big event in the midst of, you know, another surge last year in the pandemic where they were closing down restaurants. And so we're kind of worried about running this event. Um, Luckily, the local government here in Lombard and DuPage County seem to be okay with it. But the night before, and we're setting up, you know, for, you know, not thousands of people, but hundreds of people to come in. Uh, The alarm system goes off because they'd hit a sprinkler and set off our alarm and theirs because our, our units were one 
one space. I think it was like, uh, oh, some kind of craft. It was like store. a department store or something. Yeah, no, like a Joanne's a, or something like that. Yeah, it was like a craft store or something like that. And this whole space between us and Power Paintball was one space. And so there's only really a, a, a drywall wall between us. Um, this past so Saturday. they also constantly fire through because they're stupid. Yes. This Saturday, I was at the park with my son catching Pokemon and got a call from our alarm monitoring system that the fire alarm aren't off at the gym and could I meet the emergency personnel there? And I did, thinking it was probably once again power paintball. And yes, this time they hit a sprinkler and set off a pipe right by our wall and water leaked under the wall into the men's bathroom. I spent about four or five hours bailing. I would estimate somewhere between 150 to 200 gallons of water out of the bathroom um, using two wet dry vacs, each of which hold about 15 gallons of water. And I probably dumped out myself 10 or 15, at least at least 12 to 15 times into the, into the sink. And my wife, maybe another four or five times by the time she got there. Um, and when I went over there and I, after uh, probably two hours of bailing water, um, and it still was coming in. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, I went over there, and they were still open. Uh, they had the place was packed, and I said to the guy at the front front desk, whatever, um, are you guys actually bailing water out of there? Because I've been doing it for two plus hours, and it's still coming. Oh, there's a lot of water there. We got wet dry back facts back there. I said to him, doesn't seem like you're that worried because you guys are still operating. Um, so yeah. I, I stayed until about seven. Then my partner Howard came in and continued, put up some rags on the wall because it seemed like it was slowing down. And then when Howard was there later in the day, then they had service master out there doing some, something, I don't know, but uh, no offer of help from any of their employees to the water leaking into our space. At least an apology possibly. No. In fact, uh, their the manager that came over was more concerned about how we could get access to the roof because his electrician can't get on the roof. And I said, I don't know what that has to do with water coming in our space. We do have a ladder to the roof. However, it's not that hard to put a ladder um, back by their space up to the roof. So yeah, I don't know what that had to do with anything. But power paintball is fake news. Um, well, hey, if me and uh, Juan El Savior Campion need to go roll over there and, and crack some skulls, just let me know. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll do the damn thing. Yes. Um, but let's move on, <laughs> Mr. Bain. That's enough on them. Let's move on. That's uh, the USAPL has gone pro. They have started, they've started their pro series. A um, <laughs> couple questions. Uh, will their crowd... Will the USAPL IPF crowd split between the USAPL and Powerlifting America, the new IPF yep. affiliate? And yep. Russ Orhe had a, quote, mm-hmm. signing ceremony. I guess like he was like signing to go into college or signing with yeah, the like you Yeah. Like the decision with LeBron, I guess. I don't know. Basically, uh, yeah, I'm taking my talents to the, to the pro series. Like, so it's interesting. Like The split is happening. Uh, so if you follow you know, this group of lifters here in the U.S., uh, Taylor Atwood, who pound for pound is is probably the strongest lifter in the USAPL, uh, has decided to go with Powerlifting America. Because he wants to go to and, the IPF Worlds. Correct. And so for me, like like watching this stuff, like it's all theater. Like it's it seems like people pledging their allegiance to whichever fed they want. No different than now. Like we just do it with our dollars versus a, a ceremony. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate it. Like I, I know Russ has a an audience. And I thought, it was, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, I enjoyed it. Also enjoyed watching Jamal Browner in the background shaking his head and slapping his forehead. So I enjoyed that. Uh, but ultimately, like, it, the market's going to decide. There is an allure of IPF medals 
that some will just not be able to ignore. And there's some that are going to say, that's awesome. That doesn't pay my bills. I'm going to go do these pro series meets or, hey, USPA, WRPF, I'm going to go do your meets because, or uh, I think it is WRPF for the Ghost Clash in Miami, where you've got $30,000 in climbing in prizes. You get the showdown where it's $50,000 in climbing right now for next year. Those those are going to become very, very attractive to these lifters very, very quickly. Yeah, regardless I mean, of the testing status. Right. I mean, you know, I'm not sure if or he was like if this was serious or was this tongue in cheek. Um, I mean, whatever. He like put a hat on like he was signing with a college. Um, yeah. I, is he signing a contract? Like, is he signing an, an exclusive contract that uh, that he's going to get paid merely to lift there? Like, no, he's he wants to enter meets where he could win money, which is great. And. I give yeah. the USAPL credit from what I've seen. Their production quality looks very good. Looks like as of now, they're giving out significant money. Um, and nothing. How t- long does it last? Take nothing away from Orhi. He is one of the strongest lifters out there. Um, yeah. How, how long does that last? I mean, there's been lots of meets through the years. Um, I mean, we're looking at a Plusa from 08. And around mm-hmm. that time frame, I think we did another Plusa throwback maybe the year prior in the fall when there was the mm-hmm. Power Station Pro-Am, which had kind of replaced the WPO. And there's always been these pro-meets, and I'm not taking anything away. I mean, they're giving significant amounts of money at some of these yeah. meets, some of the WRPF meets, um, and certainly at these USAPL pro-meets. But you're not going pro unless that's your literally your job. Like, sure, maybe you are lifting in pro-meets. Maybe you are winning money. But until, until the, the expenses you put out for powerlifting – are fully paid for by that prize money and then maybe like a salary so you don't have to work a regular job. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. you're quote a pro. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird dynamic too, because there's some of these individuals, whether, whether they're USAPL pros or, or not that because they make a living off of like say coaching or, or not asking to be coached, uh, you know, what have you <laughs> like, don't, 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 they, don't DM me for coaching. Yeah, don't DM me. Uh, so, so do I call you? Like, how does that work? So, these individuals, like, they are pros because it's all they do is powerlifting, but they actually make their money off of things ancillary to powerlifting. So, I think it's a it's a really weird line. Uh, I feel like, but you know, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm very interested to watch what happens with powerlifting America, and it does it truly take the place of the USAPL or no uh, as as USAPL did with the uh, USPF, or do the IPF and the USAPL eventually kiss to make up? Interested to watch for that. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen, um, but it's going to be. I mean, give the USAPL or, credit. Or, or are we going to have like the first order uh, powerlifting <laughs> federation? Give the USAPL credit. I mean, even before they were the USAPL, they had built up a grassroots, you know, organization for many many years with the ADFPA. Um, essentially. They are the oldest active powerlifting organization. I mean, they the ADFPA predates the APF by about a year. The USPF mm-hmm. predates both of them, but they're essentially, you know, uh, non-existent. I mean, there's probably a few right. USPF meets. Um, mm-hmm. The AAU was the original, but that folded, and the, the new AAU is not related to the old AAU because that became the right. USPF. So you got to give the the USAPL credit for their their grassroots effort of building. Um, but it certainly they became bigger and bigger and bigger once they became the IPF affiliate. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Do you happens. think they love democracy? 
<laughs> well, well, we know we know that we know that uh, that Emperor Keller definitely loves democracy. Oh, uh, Dar- Darth Keller team. Yes. So let's let's move on, Mr. Bain, to our our Palusa throwback. We're, we're going to do a whole episode throwback, on throwback, that. Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're going to do a whole episode on that. It's on the queue for next year. Um, we're going to look Absolutely. at we're going to look at July two thousand eight. Uh, what were you doing in July 2008, Mr. Bain? Well, my youngest son, Nolan, was born in July 2008. So, you know, pretty big deal. Uh, and that actually was uh, the coming, winding down my first job in logistics, actually, uh, because 30 days, roughly 30 days after Nolan was born, they closed. Uh, whole thing in 2008, there was uh, flooding in Cedar Rapids, massive flooding in eastern Iowa. Uh, that happened, I think, just in Cedar Rapids. There's over a billion dollars in damage just in that city, let alone was in Iowa City, Cedar Falls, the rest of eastern Iowa. And uh, it exposed some pretty shaky financials for the company I was working for. Thankfully, a bunch of us got absorbed by uh, a very large trucking company that I, I worked for for the next few years. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty scary having a brand-new kid and being told, oh, by the way, your company's closing, and we can't cover payroll for the last two weeks. Yikes. Um... Yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, would, ne- would never wish that on anybody. But so, what were you doing? Um, I had just run Summer Bash Five, the end of June two thousand eight. Um, we had seventy five lifters in one day, one platform. So it was a big meet. Uh, more bench only lifters back in those days. Um, mm-hmm. I was at the time working full time at Velocity and pretty significantly part time at RightFit, which I would then work for full time after Velocity closed. Speaking of right. not, not getting payroll. There was a period of about, <laughs> there was a period of about two weeks when I worked for Velocity where I just didn't get my check and didn't get paid because there was no money. Um, that was a pretty yeah. scary time for Jackie and I. And I still went into work because we weren't closed, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't getting paid. Um, I wasn't really going to work on time. I wasn't really doing anything other than training our clients because I was like, why am I going to come in and like work a full eight hours and do paperwork when you're not even writing me anything on the one piece of paper that really matters to me? Um, I, yeah, so we, we got the surprise on closing day that, by the way, we can't cover payroll for the last two weeks. Did you ever get that, or is that just go fuck yourself? So, uh, go? little column A, little column B, a bunch of us actually entered into a class action lawsuit against the former owner uh, because we had evidence that he, because he, what he did is as we were recovering from the flood, he had a bunch of us, you know, hey, you guys are big and strong, help me come move things out of the old office and we'll put it in storage till we move into the next office. Mm-hmm. which we did and what what he was doing is putting it all into his personal storage unit so like monitors tvs like all this other stuff that then didn't have to go on the books when the company closed and he's got to keep it all uh ah. i just i distinctly remember this is one of those things that like really frustrated me about this whole situation was we had heard rumblings that something was going to happen it was august 6 2008 and he pulls up in his no wrong it's older but he pulls up in his ferrari he walks in, tells us we have two hours to clean our shit out, and unfortunately, they do not have the money to cover payroll. Mm-hmm. And turns around, walks back into his and walks back to his Ferrari, gets in, and drives off. Yeah, sub out. Yeah, pretty. Uh, yeah, not not a great experience, but uh, get a couple beers with me, and I'll I'll be happy to tell you the uh, the comeuppance that happened a few years later. So that was uh, that was a good time. So anyway, what was going on in the world, Stone? So in July 2008, the Seattle Supersonics moved to Oklahoma City to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, And actually, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City had to pay 
some kind of millions of dollars to Seattle in order to, I think, actually buy out the Supersonics uh, lease at their stadium. The lease, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, InBev announces their deal to buy Anheuser-Busch. One of the largest business deals ever at that time, I believe. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. It's like a forty billion dollar deal. It was like something insane. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of money. Uh, the yeah. Summer Olympics were being held in that time frame in Beijing, China. Say, China. Uh, movies in the summer of two thousand eight. Some solid movies. Uh, number mm-hmm. one, actually, no, number one movie of the whole year was The Dark Knight. I think one of the best mm-hmm. superhero movies of all time. Um, Absolutely. Iron Man, also a very, very solid movie. Yes. Number two. And number three that summer was Indiana Jones 4, which was not quite as good as the previous two. So I, I liked it, but it, like, what was interesting with that one is that's actually the original story they wanted to do for Indiana Jones. And they decided to go instead with um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, story. Yeah, I don't dislike the movie. It's just like it's just not as good as the previous three. And like you ended on no. – you ended on like – I think it's arguable that uh, The Last Crusade is the best of the three. And it's like you ended on your best movie, which isn't typical for a, for a trilogy. Usually, like, yeah. trilogies get worse as you go. Occasionally, you get a sequel that's better than the original. But it's very rare for the third movie to be the best. And so, like, you just yeah, ended that on, one was solid. You just ended on solid. such a high note. And then, I, again, I don't dislike Indiana Jones. I think it's, like, The Secret of the Crystal Skull is the full name. Um, uh, correct. Yeah, it just – in fact, it might even be better than the second Indiana Jones, the uh, the one where they're pulling the – I can't remember the name of it. But Temple, of, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom where they're pulling the, the hearts out of the guy's chest. Um, yeah. It's not bad. It's just, you know, comparison to the Dark Knight or Iron Man, it, it doesn't, you know. Doesn't oh, no. Like, how do you how do you top those two? Yeah. Uh, on the cover of this issue of Powerlifting USA was Wobble, World Association mm-hmm. of Bench Pressers and Deadlifters, Push-Pull Nationals at the Wisconsin Dells, May 17th, 2008. That just sounds like something you hear on, like, a crappy movie, like, and it's going to be featured on the Ocho. Uh, what's interesting is that, I mean, Gus Rethwich, who's an interesting fellow, he spent, like, the first mm-hmm. paragraph in the article describing how great the hotel was and how great the rates were, and, you know, like, the, he spent an, an absorbent amount of time describing the venue, um, which... Yeah, how, how was the lifting, sir? Yeah, and there was some good lifting, um, you know, uh, on the cover, there was, let's see, five individuals on there. Um, you had Ryan Snelling, who did a 644 deadlift at 161. You had Fred Peterson, who did a 650 deadlift at 70 years old. You had That's incredible. That's you had amazing. Tom Eisman, a guy we've talked about before, who did a 772 deadlift at 189. We had Robert Vick, a local guy, who did a 909 mm-hmm. bench in a single-ply bench shirt. And you had Rick Maramana, or Mar- mm-hmm. Marama? I'm not familiar with him. Marama. But he did a 678-pound bench at 213, also in single play. Um, oh, Robert Vick, who I thought I'd, you know, of all those guys, I didn't want to look. We, we've talked about Tim Eisman before. It would be interesting to mm-hmm. look up Fred Peterson. But Robert Vick, local guy, um, he, he since moved to Vegas, originally was from the Chicago area, was, was a Chicago police officer. Um, him and Tommy Harrison um, were, were buddies and trained together and competed together. He was mostly a single, uh, uh, mostly a, a bench-only guy, super heavyweight, occasionally three weight. 
His first meet was a APF meet, a World Gym Bench meet in 2005, which I knew nothing about. I didn't even know we ran a meet in uh, 2005. Um, he bombed at the Summer Bash 2, uh, his second meet, with a 699-pound bench, um, July 2005. And that 909 bench was his best lift of all time. Um, wow. He is, uh, like a lot of bench-only lifters, he's bombed out of almost as many meets as he's completed. Um, there's a lot of DQs in his history of lifting. Um, yeah. He's attempted up to a 1,019 bench at the 2008 WPC Worlds, uh, but he was um, successful on none of his attempts at that meet. Um, he, just, he just kept going up. You know, oh, I just need more weight on the bar to touch. Yeah, uh, I thought you needed he infamously did a 225-pound bench at 2007 APF Junior Nationals. Um, he was convinced by Jackie Stone to open raw since he bombs at so many meets. And Jesus. on Powerlifting Watch, he, they said Robert Vick was credited with a 226-pound bench. And somebody in the comments said, was that supposed to be kilos? <laughs> wow. Uh, he did do semi-recently. did an 865-pound bench at Wobble Rolls in 2013. Um, he has done some other benching at recent wobble meets. Looks like mostly, uh, most recently he bombed at, tw- at least in the bench. It looks like he did do a deadlift. He bombed at the 2019 wobble worlds. And that's the last meet I could see listed at least, at least on, uh, on open powerlifting. Um, gotcha. Sam bird at the time was the lightest man to squat 1100 pounds at 2008 SPF Nationals, which was... What could have been? Uh, I mean, of note is there was very, very few other top-level lifters at this meet. I mean, he had the highest total by far. There's barely any mm-hmm. equipped lifters. Um, and that meet oddly had a bench for reps contest in addition to the regular meet, which is kind of strange. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Uh, there was the results from the Bull Farms King of the Bench in Finland. First place was, can you pronounce that, Mr. Bain? Juha Summerja? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yes. Yeah, uh, okay. He did a seven. Yeah, some Roja. He did a seven hundred and fifty pound bench at two forty two, winning it. And I guess they did it by coefficient because the highest bench was second place with Kari Koola with an eight fifty mm-hmm. or eight fifteen pound bench at three fifty five. Um, Oof, that's a unit right there. I could not find any results on open powerlifting, and it appears there was only five lifters total in the meet. So, hmm. not much of a meet, more of an exhibition. Should have been a fast beat then. <laughs> uh, I would guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. The ultimate top 10 was put together by a panel, uh, including our guy, John Smoker, um, who is uh, our awards guy here at 2XL. But uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, a list put together, and this month was the top 10 165s and 181. And the top 10, according to this panel, was number one, Ricky Del Crane, number two, Mike Bridges. Number three, Rick Gagler. Number four, Walter Thomas. Number five, Ospie Alexander. Number six, Wade Hooper. Number seven, Tony Conyers. Number eight, Gene Bell. Number nine, George Crawford. Number 10, Joseph Doc Rhodes. Um, I think we probably. What was their their determination for an ultimate top 10? It wasn't very clear because they just, you know, it was kind of like very subjective um they didn't necessarily gotcha, go gotcha. purely by numbers it seemed like it was more by like length of career and overall wins in addition to numbers um, gotcha yeah. so uh, understood like who basically who who we like the most yeah 181's top was mike bridges um who was mm-hmm. on both lists 
Number two, Walter Thomas. Number three, Gene Bell. Number all, all three on both lists so far. Yeah. Number four, Ernie Franz, who is not really known to be in a one one er but he did yeah. do some lifting there. Number five, Dave Ricks. Number seven, He's still competing. Yeah. Number six, Vince Anello. Number five, Ray Benemerito. Number eight, Jack Benemerito. Benemerito. Number eight, Jack Barnes. Number nine, George Herring. Number ten, Ronnie Ray. So I know not as many of those lifters, and I'm surprised Ernie Franz on the 181 list. I'd say Ernie yeah. in his prime probably did his best lifting at 198. I'm not sure from a coefficient standpoint, but he was definitely known more to be a 198. And then later in his, his master's years, he really bulked up to 220, even 242, which is really big for his stature, I can tell you. Because he, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he was not a big guy uh, as far was as he, like, he was not taller, taller than you, correct? He probably originally was, but in his later years was shorter. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, we did not have our usual Louis Simmons Westside article. Instead, we had The Making of a Powerlifter by Travis Bell, which mm. who, ironically is a bench-only guy, <laughs> and, talked <laughs> about, and talked about his training there. Um, his schedule was Monday back shoulders, Tuesday light biceps, Wednesday max effort bench, Thursday <laughs> squat, Friday back and shoulders, Saturday dynamic effort or speed bench, and Sunday off. So a bench-only West Side guy, that's what he did. Um, it was only one day deload, one day a week. Uh, yeah, Sundays are off. Sunday's the Lord's Day for him. Um, mm-hmm. The foam press was the most interesting exercise. I may have steal a, a picture from this powerlifting Usain post because basically it's kind of like, kind of like a pin press, I guess, because you are, or maybe a floor press, kind of, but you're not resting your elbows on the floor or the bar on a pin. Instead... You're bringing the plates down to giant cube foam blocks. Like imagine, like a foam block that is taller and bigger than the bench itself, and two giant foam blocks. Um, I have heard of these before. People doing these on both both bench and squat as a variation instead of box squat or floor press. So um, they had some giant blocks of foam. I don't know where one would procure giant blocks of foam that were strong enough to support weight on them. I mean, some every piece of foam is going to have some give, but, I mean, we're talking yeah. probably pieces of foam, something like like the size of our plyo boxes, basically, just not. Yeah, because no. that's basically what the plyo boxes are made of, is it not? Yes, just covered in leather or whatever that yeah. outside material is. So, I mean, that w- wouldn't be much different. Yeah, it's essentially like this, like a giant foam plyo box, just no cover on it. Gotcha. Um, we had Vince Selfo, who had an article a drastic solution to restoring the credibility of powerlifting. Um, I believe I competed at a few meets with Vince. Um, the name mm-hmm. is very familiar. The, the face didn't look as familiar. Um, ironically, his last meet was in 08 where he bombed at AWPC Worlds, um, <laughs> at least according to Open So, so is this like the precursor to Rip's uh, How to Fix Powerlifting? Um, kind of, um, because it's, it's more like federation-based. So his basic premise was that there were too many federations and there should be one and that we I should agree. go and that we should go back to open meets, no divisions, which is ironic since the meets that I saw him on open powerlifting, he competed in exclusively in the masters category. Um, <laughs> he believed there should be three divisions, raw, single ply, multiply, and that all federations should combine for one true national championship for each division. And then those lifters should go to IPF Worlds. 
And he suggests Eric Talmud's raw unity meat or rum should be a de facto raw senior nationals. Um, he talks about drugs, but doesn't really offer any solutions or say we should or shouldn't drug test. And then goes on a tirade about how forum moderators should delete Federation bas- bashing posts, which was, again, a big thing. If, if you've followed the podcast, message boards were a big thing in the, the, the mid to late 2000s. Um, they, they were just comment threads for, for the old people. Yeah, right, right. Imagine, imagine like, no pictures. It was just text. Imagine, the, yeah, the comment threads on Instagram or Facebook, but there's none of the pictures and all the other fancy stuff, just literally just the responses. That's it. Yes, um, yes. In a in a bulletin board fashion, um, and and you got you got no alerts. You got tagged. It was just oh hey, there's your name. Yeah, you just had to keep keep going back to that website and, and respond. You know, it, this his take is a common take of somebody who really just doesn't have a grasp of everything going on in powerlifting. I mean, the question is, what incentives did the feds have to work together? And if you want to lift at IPF Worlds, just go at lift in powerlifting America now or back then. Lift in the USAPL. Like, I mean, the reason that we have so many federations is because nobody can agree on anything. And so what makes you yep. think that they would agree to send their representatives to one, you know, unified meet? What is interesting is around this time, a bunch of the uh, drug-tested organizations, including the AAPF, had some talks about doing a unified drug-tested nationals. And even Kieran Kidder was involved in this. The NASA was involved in this. AAU, it was almost kind of like this push with Powerlifting America, but it was like a conglomerate of all the other drug-tested federations. And I don't know that a meet ever happened, but there was some talk about it. I remember talking to Kieran Kidder about it, and he seemingly was kind of in favor of it. Um, and it was the same kind of idea. And it just at the end of the day, there's just, there's just too many egos involved and no incentive yeah. for federations to work together. If they could work together, they could just work together in one organization, right? Exactly, exactly. So, well, um, why would you want to do that? It just make things, you know, simpler. Right. Uh, let's move on to the top fifty all-time men's American one forty-eight squats as of July two thousand eight. Number one was uh, Thomas James or T.J. Horner with an eight oh four squat. Number two was Nick Hatch, 788. Number three, by Brian Schwab, at a six, or excuse me, a 765-pound squat. Number four was Caleb Williams with a 722 squat, and that's a USAPL guy. All these previous ones are all multiply. Um, TJ mm-hmm. Horner was APF. Hatch was WPO. Schwab was IPA. And number five was Jesse Jackson, also an APF guy. Um, and he's got a 711. And our guy, Doug Heath, number six. I was only going to do nice. the top top, uh, top 10 or top five. 705, Doug Heath. And that was all the way back in 03. So probably at the wow. end of his run. Um, Wade Hooper's down there at number 10. He's a big USAPL guy. Tony Conyers, we talked about. He had a, mm-hmm. this time a 685. And again, I think they put him on the list for the top 165s. Same with Hooper. Hooper, uh, this is at 148, and did a 672-pound bench, or a squat, wow. excuse, excuse me. Um, on the top 50 American women's, 123, at the top was one Margaret Kirkland, who we've talked about actually on this podcast a number of times. Um, mm-hmm. Very strong lifter, mostly in the APF. Um, did a 486 squat at 123. Wow. Jenny Berkeley, who I'm not familiar with, did a 480 squat. A Jen Pup. 
Rotzinger did a 451 pound squat. Amy Wasberger from Westside Barbell <laughs> did a 450 pound squat. And Mary Ryan Jeffrey did a 440 pound uh, uh, squat. And I'm seeing if I know. Uh, down at number eight was Felicia Johnson Almy, who was the other individual in the uh, Ernie Franz versus USPF IPF lawsuit, along with Mayor Sternberg. It was her and Mayor Sternberg who were the two uh, got, winners. Got denied. The two winners of women nationals that did not earn a, or that were not given a spot on the IPF women's worlds team. Um, one Diane Franz is down at number fourteen with a three ninety pound squat, um, and that was all the way back in eighty seven, and still at this time number fourteen wow. on the list. See if we see that's any, incredible. See anybody else that we know of note in there that eh, that's probably the only ones that we would know on this podcast. So that was the top 50 all-time, 148 and 123 squats. Uh, we had meet results from the USAPL American Open, which was kind of like their, like, secondary national meet at the time. Um, mm -hmm. It was like, you know, all you had to do was have done a meet before, almost like a national open, not a nationals. But Brian Siders, mm -hmm. uh, one of the strongest USAPL lifters at this time, broke at the time an IPF world record with a 2601-pound total at single-ply super heavyweight with lifts wow. of 959 squat, 777 bench, 865 deadlift. And I don't know that any of those were world records in and of themselves, but, you know, you put them all together, and that's quite a total for, it's for a, a lifter. very big total. Um, we also had the women's teen and masters top 20 Oh, I mean, there's a lot on here. I mean, if I could look through and see if there's Margaret Kirkland, of course, is top in the squat with uh, 105 with uh, a 462 squat. The next closest is 330. Margaret Kirkland, top wow. of the 114 squat with 479. Margaret Kirkland, top of the 123 squat with 451. Amy Weisberger, head of the 123 squats with a 590 squat here in 07. Jeepers. Uh, and the, wow. and the, you know, uh, you didn't really, you had Laura Phelps, which was big at this time. I mean, she was top the 181 squat with seven. It looks like 770. It's hard because it's, it's not the greatest uh, print. But the <clears> next closest person was Krista Ford, who was probably already a master's lifter at this time, with a 584 squat. So Laura Phelps, 770. Next closest, 584. Uh, Anna McCloskey, who we know well, is down at number four mm -hmm. with 535. Uh, Laura Phelps' total, 1725. Laura Phelps' total is the top of any female super heavyweight or any weight class, and she did it 181. In fact, her squat is number one at this time. I mean, the, the, the top uh, 198 squat is 597. The top super heavyweight squat is 584. And the top total for anybody else is uh, actually – S. Keller, who is also in the 181s with a 1449. Laura Phelps with 1725. That might be her best total of all time. Um, uh, actually, she had, she had an 1800-pound total well, per the Open Power Legends. She is just but still. A, I mean, she's just in a class of her own, um, undoubtedly. Absolutely. Her and Margaret yeah, Kirkland the queen, are just. She's the queen bee. They're just all over this. I mean, Margaret Kirkland's got the top total 105, top total 114, top total 123. Uh, Amy Weisberger with also a very big total, 1440 at 132. Sorry, kind of jumping around there, but just looking at this. It is very, very small print, um, so hard to yeah. see there. 
Um, in our still, ma- I mean, those are legendary names there. Yeah, no doubt. In our Masters, um, we've got Jim Hoskinson, a guy who we, we I know at least uh, of, with a 1,085-pound squat at super heavyweight and a 2485 total as a Masters wow. lifter. Um, Ed Cohen is on this list. He must have been at least over 40 at this time because he's topped the 242 squat with 831. He's topped the 242 deadlift with 8. Looks like 818. And, of course, topped the total with 2250. Ooh, that's very bad writing here. But uh, he's topped the total of 242. In fact, other than Hoskinson, Ed Cohen's got the next biggest total, and he did that at 242. I don't believe he really ever cut weight either. I think he just mostly just weighed what he weighed. Yeah, he just, he just came in at whatever he was at. And uh, our guy, Tom Carnegie, um, of the mm-hmm. Carnegie Power Team, was number 11 in the total uh, in the 220s with 1765. Um, Dick Zenzen in the 220 is about, we'll say, maybe five or six with 755. Tom Carnegie, 780, uh, number three in the 220 Masters total. So a couple lifters wow. that we know of here. And... Let's look at the teenage top 20, and I know at least one name that's going to be very high up there is uh, a guy who I saw at many APF meets back in the day, and that was Jordan Dunn, who's got a big 600-pound squad at 148. Um, wow. And he's also top as a the teenager? Top, as a teenager, and also 1383. Uh, and he's also top of the 165 squad with 72. Oh, 702. Gosh. Um, so, I mean, Jordan Dunn, it was a historically strong lifter as a teenager. And I actually filmed a squad of his at a meet. Um, I think it might've been around this time frame. I was there with our teammate at the time, Justin CP. And I posted mm-hmm. online cause I was impressed by it. And afterward, his dad asked me to take it down because the internet haters are going to rip it to shreds. I'm like, all right, but I was just, I was just impressed. I wasn't trying to start any shit or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We see the younger Zenzen, Zach Zenzen, with a 738 squat at 220, number two. Ernie Lillibridge Jr. with a 705 squat at 220. And, gosh, could he have been doing equipped at that time? It is possible. Um, I'm not sure about that, but he is uh, down at about number three there. And I believe it's one Chris Delafave with a 700-pound squat at 220 is number four. Eric Littlebridge, 688 is number five. Wow. That's wow, that's wild. Uh, Chris Delafov, also number two in the total with 1805. Zach Zenzen, number three with 1780. Eric Lillibridge looks like he's about number six, 1685. Ernie Lillibridge Jr., 1681. That's all. All those lifters are at 220. Some pretty historic teenage lifters there at 220. Oh, I believe uh, one yeah. Dave Hoff at 275 with a 1,005 squat, a 680 bench, a 745 deadlift, and a 2430 total at 275 as a teenager in 2007. One Jesus. Dave Hoff. Cheapers. So That's insane. All right, Mr. Bain, let's go ahead and move on to our 2021 year in review. Uh, it's still kind of hard to believe, man. We've got basically 10 days left in the year of this recording. That's Yeah, nuts. I mean, we'll probably drop this a little bit before the end of uh, 2021. Um, mm-hmm. 
So let, let's start with uh, the podcast. What were your top three episodes of the year? And any extras, if you want to put in the honorable mentions, obviously have at it. Yeah. Um, the gear book review, I think, was just awesome. Like, that project was just so cool. Uh, I, I just really, it was, it was cool to be a part of it. It was just cool to see it happen. And then starting to see a lot of people that I wouldn't have, I guessed would be even interested in lifting equipped, but just now having a resource people and, and we were, you know, a catalyst for that, for people to get a hold of it. And so this was really cool to, to do that episode. The, uh, the Ernie Franz tribute, I think was, was beautiful. I'll let you talk more about that. This is huge. Jack answer to the episode. And then the, the one that probably was, for me, it was most near and dear to my heart, but I didn't put it number one because it uh, was, I guess, a little more informative and, and was this why help at powerlifting meets. I just think that that is, it, it's such a cool subject and one I've talked about with more and more people. And now, if, if for those that aren't familiar, uh, myself and Kyle O'Leary, a few others were putting together this full send initiative. Uh, basically, it's, it's focused around like spotting and platform management and the kind of stuff that I, you know, became quote unquote internet famous for. Uh, and, but, but it was cool to be able to kind of talk about like why you and I help in the different ways that we do. Cause we both have very unique roles, both equally important, but just very unique. And so I really enjoyed just kind of talking about that because that is a subject very near and dear to, to my heart. Uh, but Eric, what's, uh, what were your top three episodes? Yeah. Well, before I go into mine, I, I do agree with you. I, I didn't include that one on my top three, um, nor did I include the gear review. I did really like the gear review. I know there's a few of you who said, "Hey, Eric, when are you going to do the uh, uh, the e the audio version of the gearbook?" I, you know what? I never did hear back. I sent Dave Kirshen a, uh, a message and said, "Hey, are you okay with me doing a audio version of your book?" And I never heard back. It probably just got lost in the shuffle. And then I think I no, never... he got back to me. He said, "He said go for it. I'll I'll pull it up and I'll send it to you." Oh, okay. Well, I thought I messaged him before. I there there was a time maybe maybe about three months ago when I actually wasn't super busy with meets. I was like, all right, I actually mm -hmm. have some free time. Maybe I could spend, you know, uh, do a chapter a day or something like that. Maybe now that all it looks like the end of my year is going to be a little slowed down, although I do have a lot of work to catch up on. But um, yeah. if, if there's authorization, I don't want to spend my time reading something and doing an audio book if there's no authorization. Yeah, but, especially, especially 400 plus pages. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of reading. Um, Got to get my it voice is, going for is. that. But I, I did enjoy the uh, the gear book. Um, you know, we did a two-parter, which I'll talk about the second part. But I, I did mm -hmm. enjoy just kind of getting everyone's perspective. And I, I do think, you know, you got to give Dave a lot of credit for giving that away for free and being a resource because I do think there are, are a lot more, quote, ply curious lifters out there. I mean, we have, oh, some, yeah. we have some at our gym that's just like, you know, they've come to some of the WPO meets and they've seen some on Team Stone training gear, and they're like, hey, you know, I kind of want to give that a try. And, and they don't always know where to start. I get a lot of people asking me questions about things. Um, but mm -hmm. I mean, there's been some of my clients even that have been like, hey, I want to give gear a try. And I, you know, I have an older female client that I trained today that she's kind of got this like weird, like sprained thumb thing. And I, so I didn't want to put her in gear today that she's going to get looked at by the mm -hmm. doctor. But out of nowhere, she's like, "Yeah, if I could lift more weight, I'd like to. I'd like to put some gear on." And mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I think uh, there's not the accessibility unless you are in a group like you and I are, and you've got you know kind of that firsthand experience. And so, being able to put that down on paper, I think, is is pretty valuable. I, I agree, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I was having the conversation with Lily actually as we're getting ready for the women's program. I said, "Hey, you know, 
they there isn't like a raw raw division which is how she has traditionally competed so so you got a couple options you can go you know classic raw with with sleeves which is easier but you're not going to get as much pop and it's it doesn't necessarily provide all the support or if you really want to we can we can throw wraps on your knees and her response was well if it helps me lift more weight then let's do it like that a girl one just one step closer child yeah why not i mean you don't have to give her a super tight wrap but i've done that with a few of my like female older personal training clients and just said hey let's try classic raw something different i'll wrap your knees like super medium tight and um i'd say most have liked it it's you know it's a different it's a different stimulus it's a different challenge just like any gear is and yeah. uh yeah i think it's a good i know most people don't jump from naked knee raw into multiply like you do mr bain so maybe there's yeah. a gradual progress we could uh proc- yeah. process we could go do there okay just start, start with the tip and then go from there perfect um uh, my th- <laughs> yeah my top three, uh, my number one was the tribute to Ernie Franz, and it's something that I'm just – even if, like, it's not the most listened episode, and even if the podcast stops today and we don't release another one, I'm glad that Jack and I, while it was fresh in our mind and we still had those memories bubbling up, we sat down and spent an hour just talking about our experience at Franz Gym. It's something that's pretty – uh, memorable for Jack and I. It's something that's it's an important part of our life. Where you yeah, know, that's, exactly. That's you know where, where we kind of cut our teeth in powerlifting, where we cut our teeth running meets. Um, it's a big part of who we are as a couple and as Team Stone developed from. And so Ernie Franz, you know, passing away this past year. Um, Jack and I having the opportunity and the audio equipment. I mean, I wish I'd had the same audio equipment. And would have been able to sit Ernie down and had him tell some of his stories. And especially... Yeah, I know. We, we wanted to. We wanted to desperately. Yeah, we wanted to. But then the pandemic hit and he was sick in the hospital. Um, uh, you know, a guy like uh, or a girl, uh, my former coach, Maris Sternberg, who is one of the best storytellers of anybody you'll ever meet, uh, would have been great to have just, you know, put a video or an audio recorder on her when we would have been driving out to Dubuque, Iowa, back and forth many yeah, times. So back let, her, the, let her roll in the early 2000s, just let her tell her stories. And so I'm glad that we were able to, to get that saved for posterity's sake so that, you know, future generations, my son, my daughter, maybe their sons and daughters can hear what an impact Ernie Franz had on the powerlifting world and had individually on, you know, mine and Jackie's lives. Um, so, and, be, and because of that saving, like, it can continue to have that impact on people. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Um, the history of Multiply, which was kind of our second part of that gearbook, where it was specifically focused on the Eric Marosher, essentially almost another Ernie Franz tribute. That wasn't all it was about, but um, you know, it, it, it ta- he talked about Ernie Franz, but it morphed into uh, basically a history of how Ernie Franz was one of the driving forces behind Multiply powerlifting, essentially. Yep. And yep. I liked that episode because, uh, you know, Marosher is uh, a very skilled uh, composer when it comes to writing and, and really has a way of conveying ideas in a way that's easily understandable. And one of the big things about this podcast that I wanted to always convey was to talk about the history of the sport and to be able to really mm-hmm. talk about both the history of Multiply and the history of Ernie Franz and how 
Ernie Franz influenced Multiply and how the Franz team influenced Multiply. Um, I, I can't recommend reading that section of the book enough. It's not necessarily going to help you lifting more weights per, per se, like the rest of the book might, but it's certainly going to give you a, a historical context and understanding of Multiply um, like I think no other resource is out there right now. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. And, and understanding the impact that Multiply and this that, that Franz team and Franz Jim has had on powerlifting and strength in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and Incredibly my, important. And my third, and I always enjoy these historical looks that you know we do a lot of research on, was the USAPL becoming the IPF affiliate. Um, and how fitting, <laughs> how fitting that we covered this episode this year. Uh, I think that was not that long. That was a later episode. It was maybe, what, three or four months ago, Mr. Bain? Um, it was right before like everything really started to blow up with uh, the USAPL and the IPF. Like It was right before that. And translated very well into current events. I, I mean, uh, that is an episode I probably did as much research and, and reading powerlifting essays as any. I mean, I definitely did a lot of research on the Franz Enzer and the Franz IPF lawsuits. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, uh, and there was a lot of reading because, I mean, it was almost like, you know, Instagram comments or message board comments back and forth. But in Powerlifting USA, I mean... When we go eventually through our Powerlifting America episode, I will be oh, interested, yeah. I will be interested to go back and read some of those comments by one Robert Keller where he wrote some very long in-depth and not always the the nicest letters in power in published in what's out on the internet published in a magazine in Powerlifting USA um, talking bad about the USAPL um, and their officials. Mm. So I, I am powerlifting. I enjoy looking at history and those kind of like, uh, you know, political maneuvering mm-hmm. and looking at how that has impacted the powerlifting world. And I don't. I I honestly think that's a story that no one else has really told in one spot. I mean, people have talked about no. it. People there have talked about it. I mean, we've gotten message from officials in the USAPL who've listened to mm-hmm. that episode and said they've never really heard the full context of that story before. What's so trippy is remember when I, when I threw out the theory that like, this is all just a long play by Robert Keller and sure as shit in a few months, that's what comes to be is that, yeah, like this dude's been behind the whole thing. I mean, and if you haven't followed every episode and all, I know there's some people like Jackie stone that skip over the beginning of the episode and they go straight to the, she, she doesn't want any of the foreplay. She wants to just go right to it, right to the end, right, right, right to the topic at hand. Take to the streets. Right to the streets. Um, you know, in that episode, we talk about how Robert Keller was literally kicked out of the IPF meeting. Like and, escorted out. Yeah, like so, told leave. And at the time, he was a USPF official, and the USAPL was maneuvering to become the IPF US affiliate. And here mm-hmm. we are, uh, I don't know, 30 plus years later. Not quite 30. I think this was 97. So we're talking almost okay. 20, almost 25 years later. Uh, Robert Keller maneuvers his new organization to become the new US IPF affiliate. And I love democracy. <laughs> I mean, just ridiculous. And and I will really enjoy it, it, it is. I, I will really enjoy looking into the maneuvering that has gone gone uh, gone on 
with the USAPL getting kicked out. And I would like to see if I can find, because I never could find the minutes of that IPF meeting. Um, I don't know what yeah. they call it. General meeting, AGM, that's what we call in the WPC. Gen- General Assembly or whatever, yeah. I have not, but I have to believe that the minutes from this year's General Assembly, because I found more current years, but they didn't go all the way back to 97. I think the, 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 the most recent ones I found on the IPF website were like 2000, 2001. And then I found some resources on some of the USAPL website, but nothing websites. Uh, but nothing mm-hmm. that went into the full minutes from that 97 IPF meeting. I would really like to look at the 2001 IPF General Assembly meeting where the USAPL was voted out and Powerlifting America, an organization which really didn't even exist, um, was voted in. Until oh. five months ago, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll go in this when we go to that episode, but think about this. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that's, that's a whole topic. It's a whole topic, but think about this. Powerlifting America is not an organization. Like, they're just like that's just Robert Keller saying we're going to start an organization. Say yep. what you want about the ADFPA, which changed its name to the USAPL. They were an existing organization which had an existing infrastructure, meet directors, you know, meets that uh, had been lifter running base, everything at that time for about fifteen plus years. And so, them becoming an affiliate was certainly much different than a basically brand new organization. Anyways, I'll save my thoughts on that for a future episode. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that one's going to be fun. Mr. Bain, what were your top three interviews from 2021? So this one actually took me a while to, to figure out, like, which which ones really, like, that I either enjoyed or were impactful. Uh, one, that because it was, it was trippy for me to ask this person, because Dan Bell is, I mean, Dan Bell's Numero Uno, biggest raw total, uh, enormous multiplied debut and probably the only one he's going to do for a long time, if ever again. But just, if you if you can't be happy and have a smile on your face and laugh while talking to Dan Bell, something's wrong with you. Because the, the man just exudes happiness and and joy. He just loves what he does. He loves to lift. He loves life. And, the, and it's, it was great. It was so much fun. But it's also like trippy that, you know, this is a guy who's at the pinnacle of, of our sport right now. And he's like, dude, I've been waiting for you guys to ask me on the show. And I'm like, that's that was just wild to me. Um, the main event project was so cool. And, and it was tough because like, I wanted to specifically call out Amber's interview because I really, really enjoyed talking to her. But then this one was more impactful to me because like this is a way to get you know their message out. And like I love talking to Amber and Leah. I think both were just awesome humans. And seeing the impact that they made in such a short time I, I, they're just getting started and I'm so excited to watch what that main event project does because a rising tide raises all ships and all they're going to do is make powerlifting better for everybody. And I'm and, so excited. And I'll add a shout out to Leah who did her mm-hmm. APF judges practical at the Midwest equipped open. Um, she did. She did. She completed her written she test did. and did her practical along with myself, uh, Stace Mula and Ken stone. And I believe passed, uh, with flying colors, she didn't get a hundred percent, but very, very high nineties, and and did an excellent job. I think calling commands, and she was, she said she was almost more nervous to do that than she was to lift in a meet. And I was like, there's really nothing to be that nervous about, Leah. You're just, I mean, you've always been judging people. Now you just have a have a remote in your hand to, to now, do now, now it matters, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. And then it was a tie for the 
for the the last one, which was uh, Dina D'Andrea. Awesome interview with her. I mean, so humble and such an incredible athlete. And and it's what a great person to point young lifters, but young women too, especially. Like, look at how I mean, she came out of nowhere and took down a two time defending WPO champ, and and really like just kind of shook the world up. And then for me personally, Joe Jordan. Like, I, I had those two tied because I want to make sure I called out both of them. So Joe has been a guy that I've followed since I started powerlifting. I just saw him like he looks like a Jack Santa Claus. And I thought that was really cool. And I saw how strong I was and how he would keep getting hurt. And like, that's probably it. But he keeps coming back. And I'm like, that's the kind of resilience. And that's like something that I admire and I really aspire to. And it's like that he, he truly like wanted to be on the show. He was so kind. He was so nice. And, and it was, just, it's been really awesome to get to know him personally, but then to get to interview him and just kind of talk through that was just like, it kind of pulled on my heartstrings a little bit because this is a guy that I've looked up to since I started doing the sport. So that was really, really dope. Yeah. And by the way, if there's any other all time world record holding power lifters who, or elite FTS sponsored athletes or whatever that, you know, big time power lifters that listen to show that would like to be interviewed, like, uh, feel yeah. free to message us and let us know you'd like to be on the show. We're we're happy to interview you. So, I mean, maybe you want to be asked. Don't, but don't gotta wait for us. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to wait for us to ask you. Like, we might just, like, and we have, to be fair, Mr. Bain, there are a number of people we've asked through the years to be on the show that have not been interested. So uh, there's sometimes yeah. some reluctance to ask people because, you know, no one likes to get turned down, obviously. So right. if you're interested and think you'd like to be on the show and would be a good interview. Certainly let us know. And w- w- well, there's a lot of people we've talked to that I think eventually will get on the schedule. It's just a matter of scheduling them. But uh, if you're interested right. and we haven't contacted you, feel free to contact us. Or if you have folks that you'd like us to interview, let us know. Because like, you know, there's, there are people out there that would be great to interview. And sometimes we just either don't know them personally or we just haven't, you know, haven't been informed. Oh, yeah, they, they are a good interview. Uh, one person I think would be interesting, Mr. Bain, as long as we're tossing that around, uh, one man that was at the Midwest Equipped Open that apparently is very uh, active on Elite FTS is one Sam Brown, who was an Elite yeah. FTS, uh, I believe, employee, not just a columnist. I think he's an employee, I yeah. believe. And yep. usually a strongman competitor, did his first multiply meet, um, had a nice uh, podcast on YouTube on his experience at the Midwest Equipped Open. Somewhat critical of our judging, uh, but not overly. Maybe just, you know, didn't agree with some of the calls. So would love to, to chat with him about, like you, uh, you know, his experience. I think for him it might have been might have been his first powerlifting meet. I don't know if he's done a raw meet before, but it was definitely wow. his first multiply meet. Um, but I think he's typically a strongman competitor, so I'm not even sure if he's done a powerlifting meet in general. Uh, he was here with Adam Zubchek, who trains yeah. at Elite FTS. And, and Adam, another great interview, too. Like He'd be really interesting to talk to. Agree. Agree. Definitely. Uh, so, Stone, what, what were your, your three favorite interviews? Yeah, my top three interviews, number one for me was definitely the Queen Bee Q&A. Um, we did that <laughs> one early in 2021. Um, that was one of those where it's like, hey, you know, we've interviewed Laura, and, I, you know, there's definitely some more meat on the bone. I mean, we could probably have her on a third time, and there would be more meat on the Absolutely. bone. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy listening to her talk about training and programming. Um, I could probably listen to her all day, you know, and just pick her brain on how she sets up thing and talked about, talk, talk to her about how she does some of her CrossFit stuff, even though I don't do CrossFit, it's still interesting. Um, she really expanded and I think opened up a little bit more in that second interview. I think she was, I don't know, I want to say nervous, but like 
maybe more just like answering the question at hand, like yes, not yes or no answers, but more direct answers. And I think she kind of expanded upon things in that second interview. Um, I, I highly Agreed. recommend if you've not listened to that one and you are interested in conjugate. Um, number two, same as you, Dan Bell. I mean, it's like you're just – it was as though we were just sitting there chatting with a guy having a beer. I mean, that, that's the – Exactly. And, and the, by the way – It would have been great. Dan Bell might have been <laughs> having a beer at the time because he had a whole case during his all-time world record total. So, <laughs> I mean, he's just like the guy next door but just happens to be like one of the strongest human beings in the history of, of this time. planet. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but just, uh, it just exudes joy and happiness and, and, and just his laugh is just infectious. I love it. Yeah. A very positive guy, which I'll have to say, and this is not a hate on you raw boys, but I, I don't think is always the case with raw lifters. They don't always seem like so positive all the time. There's a lot of them. that are just like, like very angry and angry that other people would put, you know, wrap themselves up in really tight polyester and lift heavier weights than them. Like, what are you so mad about? Why do you care? Yeah, or or even if like they lift more than those who wrap themselves in tight, tight poly stuff, like again, why do you care? Great, and that you know Dan Bell has done eleven hundred pounds raw. Uh, you know the he just a thousand five for two. I get I get it. It was high, but uh, this weekend he posted that a thousand five for two. I mean, it doesn't matter raw, equipped, super heavyweight, weight class, <laughs> whatever. Is, Somebody squats 100 pounds. I'm like, here's the thing: every multiply powerlifter saw him do a thousand two, and they were said, "Wow, that is so mm-hmm. fucking impressive." And they might have said, "Like, wow, I wonder what he could do in gear." They don't like, oh, well, you're just doing it raw. Why don't you put gear on? And you know, that's not the. the that's generally not the philosophy yep. of equipped lifters. It's more like, wow. That's super impressive, and I wonder how much more he could do if he widened his stance out and put on a, a canvas squat suit. I mean, I'll tell you, man, I saw him stand up with over 1,200 pounds, and the only reason he didn't take that to the house is his freaking belt opened up. He undoubtedly could make a run at the all-time world record if he wanted to go equipped. Undoubtedly. Absolutely. If he, if, if he wanted to put in that time, which I don't think right now his head's there. I mean, he wants to make money on the meets, and I totally get it. And... See, right there, Mr. Bain, is why, although I talked earlier about how you're not pro because you're not really a professional, but mm-hmm. on the same token, if you do have big money meets, it does draw talent to that aspect of the sport. If there was $100,000 up for grabs to prize money in the WPO, I guarantee you a guy like Dan Bell would certainly think twice about switching over to mm-hmm. equipped. He said in, in in our interview, he said, yeah, there was that kind of money at, at an equipped meet. I'd switch over. What do you hesitate? And you got to give credit to some of those raw meets for having that kind of money, and we'll see how it yep. lasts. Uh, my third was exactly. my buddy Peter Royo. I think I'd like to have him on again. Um, I enjoyed hearing his story about you know his health scare, and I hope that was helpful for other big dudes that maybe have had similar health issues and, and know that they do need to get their, their mm-hmm. health in order if they want to lift big weights. I mean – I can guarantee you, if you're 300 pounds, you probably have sleep apnea, and you probably should get a CPAP. Like, I don't need you to go. Trust me, if if you're 255 and over, you probably do. (laughs) Yeah, you probably probably need a CPAP, and it it takes some time. So if you think you might have it, you probably do. You should probably start that process because it is a process from what I've told. And I enjoy hearing his 
philosophy on training. Um, he's actually written a, a book, an ebook called Conchu Pit. Uh, his mm-hmm. uh, his training company is called Performance Inspired Training Pit, and he has his version of Conjugate. And I that is on the docket, Mister Arroyo, if you're listening. That is on the docket for us to read, review, and have you on again. Um, it has been absolutely. A, it has been a busy fall and winter. So if there's any of you out there, I mean, we've there's a number of people who we have talked to about interviewing and doing episodes. We haven't forgot about you. It's not that we don't want to interview you. It's just a matter of uh, time for Mr. Bain and I as of late. So yes, those yes. are my top three interviews. This, th- it's, it's different. The world's not shut down now, so we can't do an interview and an episode every week. Yeah. yeah let's hope that stays that way at least. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What were your top three powerlifting events of 2021, Mr. Bain? Uh, yeah, so let's, let's dive into that. Uh, first, and, and I will continue to promote this for all time and eternity is the women's program in April. Uh, I don't know that that particular mix and that environment will ever be recreated though. I am very excited to watch based on the roster that I have seen for this year's program. It could even possibly top it. Uh, and actually the background on my second screen for my, my computer for work is a picture that Jessica Wiggins took of, uh, Jessica Springer's last deadlift and just, I mean, you can, I can still feel the energy of that room as I look at it. And I see all these people that we know, you know, Dave judging. I see your brother. Uh, you can't really see you me and uh, Springer covering you. Uh, but then see Leah cheer. You see all these different people that we know all just giving it off to that platform. Like that atmosphere is nearly indescribable. And, and, and I recommend if you're, if you're a fan of the sport, I don't care, male, female gear, raw, whatever, that is an environment you want to go to at least once in your life. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, as you know, as you continue, I don't have that one particularly on my list. Um, but I, I think maybe because it wasn't my first pro am. I mean, I I definitely enjoyed going, and I will I will always go as long as I'm invited. In fact, this year I don't even know if I'll be working because my wife Jackie is going to lift on Saturday, and my teammate John's going to lift Sunday. I'll probably be around to help mm-hmm. here and there. Um, but it is hard to describe if you haven't gone to an event as such. Um, the atmosphere is so unique. It is hard to describe if you haven't been there. Absolutely. But it is, it is incredible. And it is, is just, you leave that weekend just feeling so great about this sport. It's just, it's, it's so cool. Uh, the WPO, I always love the WPO because it is just one of my favorite events. Uh, it is like a big family reunion in my view, uh, where it's I, I know all the people. This year was was special in that uh, you know uh, we got to go out of Florida and uh, a, a unique crew that we had there. Uh, but you know, we had myself, Kyle, and and John, and the rest of the crew from from Florida. Uh, some incredible lifting, some incredible saves, uh, and just we had a great time. Absolutely a blast, uh, and. Finally, the Midwest equipped open. I mean, I, I I said it in you know my post. I reposted you, Eric, uh, that the amount of work that you and Jackie and and everybody involved with 2XL uh, have put in to line up and make meets like that even possible for people, it was incredible. It was awesome to see all that hard work on your end and then on my own, and you know, kind of come to fruition and and really what ended up being a great day. And so that that was just an an awesome day. Like it's, it's similarly very tough to describe, 
Uh, also very emotional because it was the anniversary of my grandfather passing away. So my mom getting to come out and watch me live. She very rarely comes in a, and watches and attends. So it was just really, uh, you know, that was emotional as well to be able to experience that with her, uh, my wife, my youngest son, Nolan, all there to, to watch and uh, really just have a huge training session with my friends and my mom. And it was, uh, it was pretty dope. So but uh, Stone, what were your three favorite powerlifting events? Uh, my first was 2021 APF Nationals. Um, it was my mm-hmm. return after, I think, three, four years to full power. Um, didn't have mm-hmm. necessarily quite the day I wanted, but still like a top three, top five total for me all time. Uh, my wife, Jackie, was originally not going to come and surprised me by coming down to the meet uh, to support me. Um, you know, and we just had a fun time down there in Florida with friends. I mean, it, it was a good time. Um, some of the others that were down there that competed did it, you know, did well. Um, again, I didn't have a, like a, a banner, the greatest day ever, but had a solid day and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting, getting some time to hang out with my wife without kids, even though I love my kids is certainly always fun. Um, amen. (laughs) Number two was 2021 ADVPC worlds, which was here at two XL. Um, you know, it, it was pretty memorable to, to have so many from our team competing there. Um, and do so well. I mean, my wife made once uh, 198 for the first time in I think 10, 11 years. Um, our mm-hmm. teammate Stacy uh, squatted 600, which w- was pretty awesome. Um, it, it was just it, the meet ran well, um, not perfect, but well. You know, and in, uh, the previous year there was just so much stress running worlds. You had the WPO at the end. It was nice to have one of the a big meet without some of that extra on there, you know, yeah. um, and just run very, run very solidly. Um, and then the last one was our 2021 pressing the pieces together. Um, you know, just kind of a unique thing to, to see my kids both guest lift at the meet at the same time and both raise, you know, a good amount of money for a cause that I and you will really believe in. Um, yep. The meet itself was, you know, short meet and, Nothing super special from that regard, but, you know, getting to see both my kids take the platform on the same day, um, I, I, it may happen again. It may not. Um, it probably will, but seeing it happen for the first time was pretty special. Yeah, that, that was cool. I, 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 pre- I appreciate all those, you know, that unfortunately didn't get to join you guys down in Florida for nationals, but AWPC Worlds, uh, any big media 2 XL is always fun. And then pressing the pieces is just a, a very – a very cool experience and, and another one where I, I recommend people get a chance to check that one out because yeah, it is, it is something that is very near and dear to, to both of us and uh, seeing uh, the pebbles, the stone kids. Uh, that was, uh, that was pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to non powerlifting, Mr. Bain stuff. We don't talk about yeah. quite as much, but what were the top three non powerlifting events for you in 2021? Uh, I mean, huge one. Like, uh, you know, my oldest son is 18 and he, he got accepted to college. Uh, which is just mind-boggling to me that I have a child that is old enough and is now on that path. Uh, we got our dog, uh, Ginger. She's uh, snoring and farting next to my wife right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, she's been uh, one of the best additions to our family ever. It's just awesome to, to be a dog parent. And then uh, I can't really pinpoint any one because I've done a decent amount of it this year, but just traveling, like seeing places, going places with my friends, my family, uh, and getting to, to enjoy that, getting to travel for work a little bit. Uh, it, it really has just been, been awesome to have life fairly back to normal, and, and I've, I've enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, but so what, what about you? What's, uh, what are some of your non-powerlifting favorites uh, for this year? 
Uh, the family we took this fall, we took a family trip to Wisconsin, which my wife planned, and uh, I was kind of cursing her for planning it because it was right in the middle of a bunch of other meets and events that we had at the gym, but I have to give her credit. Um, it was really fun. We stayed in kind of a big lake house with a whole bunch of her cousins, all, <clears throat> almost all of whom have young kids, and so uh, all the young kids kind of t- kind of got to hang out together, and we didn't even really do anything super specific. I mean, we went out for the traditional fish fry in Wisconsin. Um, we were right on a, a little mini lake. And so we did some things on the lake. We went to a forest preserve, um, but just getting to see all the little cousins hang out. And, you know, Jackie's got some cousins up in Wisconsin that they probably, they just don't have the financial resources to take a lot of expensive mm-hmm. vacations. And even yeah. coming down to Chicago is maybe you know, often and staying at a hotel and stretch renting yeah. a car is a stretch. And so the fact that Jackie put this together and got to hang out with some of those cousins that, you know, probably don't leave their hometown even an incredible amount for those same reasons um, w- w- was pretty fun. And our kids loved it. And my son said, wow, we finally get to take a vacation that's not related to a meet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Seeing my daughter choose to wrestle this season was pretty cool um, and do well. I mean, I, she's, she's not going to the Olympics yeah. or anything. Um, she's not, yeah. you know, uh, she's not heading to USA Wrestling Nationals or anything crazy, but, you know, won a match in her yeah. first meet. And getting to see her develop as, uh, you know, a self-described now tomboy is what she told me. Um, and mm-hmm. I said, sure, you can like boy things all you want. No problem. You can wrestle and you can do dance. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things all at once and was totally her idea. Um, in fact, to the point where I was not discouraging her, but would not sign her up right away because I said, you have to at least try it once before I pay the money for you to do it. And has right. really enjoyed it and is really doing well in her first year in school as well. Um, and then third, you know, seeing my son kind of finally settle into his new school and make new friends. It is difficult when mm-hmm. you're, you know, in first, second grade, in the middle of a pandemic, changing schools, um, he embraced Absolutely. it. He embraced it because he did not want to go back to remote learning. Um, and, uh, you know, he's in a school where there's basically only one class per grade. So basically everybody already knows everybody and everybody already has kind of their friends and click group. And mm-hmm. uh, he is the type of kid that can be friendly with just about anybody and see mm-hmm. him make some friends and settle in and really kind of find his niche. He's now in, uh, you know, he's he's also wrestling. He's in the band at school, which he's surprisingly the only boy, um, which I thought was kind of surpri- kind of surprising. Um, but, you know, he's made some good, solid friends now. I mean, we all have some of those friends that we made in elementary school that some of whom maybe we're still at least keep in contact with. And uh, it was a struggle for Jackie and I because we both had a few of those, and we were like, ah, to take him mm-hmm. out of school that he's gone to since kindergarten is tough, but at the same time, we did feel it was the right choice for his education. And so the fact that mm-hmm. socially he's starting to kind of, you know, I don't want to say fit in, but settle in um, is, yeah. is good to see. F- finding, his, finding his groove. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, we, we've been very positive throughout this whole podcast, Mr. Bain, and I, I think people yep. actually enjoy when we bitch about stuff. So what were your <laughs> top three? It, you know, we've gotten comments of people saying uh, when we did the what is great during the pandemic that they hated it and wanted us to go back to what yeah. is bullshit. Um, or yes. now, it, 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 maybe we'll go back to that. Fake news we've done for a year. Um, we, we'll, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll put some thought into that. But uh, 
What were your, your top three least favorite things from 2021? Uh, just the general divide uh, across our country. You know, it's frustrating that I can have an opinion about something and so can you. And, and there was a time, and this was even prior to 2021, where it, people wouldn't even be open to having that opinion. But now, I mean, there there is not only a chance to be vilified, but I mean, there are literally snitch lines for people that, oh, well, I don't believe this person is doing certain right things. And they snitch on people and say, oh, well, I, I want to uh, turn you in for either not getting vaccinated or because I don't like your politics or uh, I like mean tweets and you do, whatever the case is. Like, and, and the divide is so great. And that that is just honestly depressing. Uh, and, and that that has really upset me a lot. It seems like it's very much an us versus them with a lot of people. And like you say one thing and somebody already assumes like, oh, well, you're in my camp or you're in the other camp. And either I'm going to argue with yeah. you or I'm going to stop talking with you. Or maybe you're like, oh, great. Now I can talk freely. You know, I wish people could just talk right. freely in general. And like as last week or last episode, we had just a discussion with Hunter about a topic which I probably disagree as strongly as I possibly could for something as trivial as what type of apparel you wear when benching. But I disagree with him right. as strongly as I could. But we still had a discussion. We still agreed to disagree. I thought he made good points. <laughs> it seems like even 10 years ago, that was still the case. And it seems like in the last five years, it's all or nothing. You either agree with everything I say or you are, you know, a Nazi. Yeah, and, and that's that is certainly frustrating where, you know, it's folks cannot necessarily decouple an opinion from an individual. And and that's 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 tough because like okay, let's say somebody uh, feels a certain type of way. Well, now I believe that you're some evil person. Well, no, I just don't I either like my freedom of choice or I believe that you're doing wrong by not choosing to do this, which everybody else is doing. And and again, I, I think most people who listen to the show, they understand kind of where you and I sit on most of these things. And it just it is it is sad to me that to your point you have to watch what you say around certain people. This is both sides of any, of this equation. You have to watch what you say because all of a sudden you can start a firestorm uh, amongst people, and all you're trying to do is to say, "Hey, like I don't agree or I agree with you." Uh, a couple of other things that really were my least favorite things: uh, gas prices. This is bullshit. This Yikes. is bullshit. <laughs> that could be the 2021 uh, fake news slash what is bullshit. Is gas prices. absolutely, uh, and the last one. This this one's a little sobering. Is the you know as I approach my 40th birthday in March, uh, I am continuously reminded that that I and those around me are in fact mortal, uh, and that is that's a very sobering thing to me. Uh, I've had more friends over the last you know five years pass away, and we're talking my peers. So these are not people that you know should be passing on even though this is just it's been determined this is the end of their journey at least here and and so i have a lot of friends that are gone in my view too soon and so but it's just a sobering thing to me that uh every day is not promised and and it's important to to reflect on that and to reflect on on the positive things around your life and it's it's why it was actually kind of tough to come up with these three things because i'm like man like i've taken that because i I had a, a very recently i had a guy that i uh, ran with in, in college and I, I ran and I threw in college and he was, uh, a couple years older than me and he was diagnosed with cancer and he lived with that for a few years and he passed on in, uh, in October. And, 
Uh, and it's just really tough to really think about. Like, this guy was 42 years old. Or I had a guy that I played soccer with. And uh, while, yes, no one cares about soccer, we care about people. And, you know, he was my age. And he passed away a couple of years ago. And I'm like, my gosh, like, these are people in their 30s and their 40s that are gone. And, and so it was this very sobering thing about that, that we are, in fact, not immortal. Because uh, I do remember those times much when I was much younger than I felt in mid school. Uh, so what, the, what were some of your least favorite things? Kids still being at mass at school is my number one. Uh, let's remind her <laughs> that it's only two weeks. It's only two weeks just, just to slow the spread, just to flatten the curve. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here we are 18 months later. My kids still have to, you know, I, I, I hate getting in arguments with my kids. And I, I tr- sometimes maybe I'm a little hard on them because I want them to have everything ready. And we do have a, probably a further drive than most to our school. So, uh, you know, I can't turn around and come home. If we don't leave at a certain right. time, the kids are going to be late. And so yep. one of the uh, – in addition to all the other things they have to remember, it's like, hey, make sure you have a mask to wear at school. And I hate the fact that they still have to wear masks. I hate the fact mm-hmm. that they can't see their friends' facial expressions. They can't see their teachers' facial expressions. Um, I think they're losing a lot with that. Um, and it's mm-hmm. only two weeks, but here we are 18 months later. And that's not to denigrate COVID because, hey, it's a thing. People get sick. No mm-hmm. doubt. Yep. I'm not 100% convinced that masks have a huge difference on that. Um, and the fact that no matter the reason, the fact that our kids still have masks in school is just at least one of my least favorite things, whether I blame anybody about that or not. Um, Absolutely. Number two, my, I haven't really talked about this in the podcast, but and I don't want to go into the specifics, but my partner, business partner here at 2XL, Howard Penrose, is, has been going through some health issues, which has taken mm-hmm. him away from the gym. Um if you'd like more details, you can you can DM me. I'm, it's not a secret, but I don't know that he wants me broadcasting out on the podcast. But I don't like seeing him struggle. I don't like seeing him not do what he wants to do. And so that mm-hmm. has been a, a struggle for him and for me this year. Um, and then seeing my wife struggle through a pretty tough school year at her job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to any teachers or administrators, none of them are doing particularly well when it comes to the high school no. setting. Um, it, no. It, any any school setting. It's just not very positive right now. Uh, everyone I talk to says there's more fights in school than there ever has been. Um, my wife's going up on the news, which and not for a good reason. Uh, and so it's been a very tough year for her uh, mentally, and trying to excel professionally has been difficult, given all the circumstances that surround them. And there there's some things that she has control over. Most things she doesn't have control over, and that's a challenge when you see something not going well and you don't necessarily have a manner in which to fix it. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough, and, and I can say that about a lot of people, especially those who are in the educational field, like where they're just dealing with so much. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough to watch, and all you can do is try to support, but it's, uh, you know, it... it I wish there was a better light at the end of the tunnel, but we know we just don't see it yet. Not yet. Um, top takeaways from 2021, Mr. Bain. You know, what have, what have we learned this year, Mr. Bain? <laughs> um, you know, I think we've learned a lot of things. Uh, you know, I try to think of just what I'm taking away from it, whether I've learned it or whether it's like something's been crystallized. That first things first, powerlifting's fucking dope. 
like that. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Like I, I am reminded constantly of the, uh, the strength of people, whether it's physical or mental and, and the connection that it brings. Uh, I, I, I can't think of anything else that does it quite the way that powerlifting, at least as in my life. Uh, I think you would probably, uh, at least generally agree with that, Eric. Yeah, definitely. Um, in groups, people are the fucking worst. I hate people. Um, but the persons, the individuals, you know, in, in my life and in our lives, like they make it a lot better and they make it pretty amazing. It's so, like persons are dope, but people suck. Uh, I've also kind of figured out that in a lot of cases, like fear is currency. And the more that you can produce, the bigger your reach can be right, wrong or indifferent. Uh, that is something that gets headlines is something that gets attention. Um, and we live in a world where right now I think we're we're trying not to be afraid, but also we're trying to get in front of things so we don't get surprised. And so, like, we're almost still searching for what's what's the next thing to be afraid of. And there are plenty of outlets out there that are more than happy to either manufacture it or, or to report on it. Um, I don't want to say that some of it's not not warranted, not merit, uh, not without merit. And so it's uh, but it's tough uh, to see it basically being used as currency now. Um, the internet is fucking stupid. I've determined that, uh, it's very dumb, uh, infinite knowledge and infinite intelligence available through it. And yet it is still dumb. There's uh, still people that are making posts on Facebook, like asking simple questions that they could just, instead of typing a question onto their status, they could just type <laughs> in the Google machine and they could answer that question. Or they literally put in, I don't give Facebook Facebook permission to use my photos. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and you still do. So Here, Here's something on Facebook, Mr. Bain. You're not the customer. You're the product. Exactly. It's like, your data. Like, That's what they want. Why do you think Facebook is making money? It's not from you. It's from the no. advertisers. It's like the, radio. You, you're, the, you're not you're not the listeners aren't part of their the listeners of radio are not the customer. They're part no, of they the, are product. the product. In fact, all they, day it is you could say they are the product. It is people that get yeah, is the people that that buy advertising space either on Facebook, on the radio, on it. that is who the customer is. All day. Just uh, look also, at finally, the, I had I was just gonna say, just look at the comment section of any like powerlifting post and you'll see how dumb the internet is. <laughs> not not wrong um but also you know my I, i've learned this a long time ago but it's further crystallized as, as i've gone through this year is my support system is dope specifically my my incredible wife she is she and i have probably been more challenged in the last two years than, than ever in our marriage but uh, i am constantly reminded of just how absolutely amazing she is as as a woman as a human and and the support system around me is is absolutely unmatched, and that includes you, Eric. And uh, for that, I'm uh, I think that away from 2021 is I'm forever thankful, and, and it's pretty fucking cool. Um, but what about you? What are your takeaways from this year? Well, one takeaway is that the government is is never going to willingly or easily give back control once they've taken it. It's never like a rollback. It's never like well. We have these regulations, and now that we have some new ones, we're going to get rid of the old ones. It's always it's always an add to, and it's always more we're, control. Now, Eric, we're from the government. We're here to help. Right. Ronald Reagan said that in the <laughs> 80s. If you hear those words, you are in trouble. Um, and it hasn't really changed. And using, uh, using an emergency as a pretext to consolidate control is 
something that's been used. It's a tale as old as time um, when it comes to governments. And Actually, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, it was used. Certainly. And uh, <laughs> there's been some places where the voters have spoken very strongly that they don't want that type of government. And I hope that continues to happen. Um, Amen. Powerlifting is as strong of a sport as it's ever been, and it continues to grow. We certainly saw a dip in 2020. Um, but of in the midst of, you know, some continued viral mitigations, I mean, it's certainly not – we're certainly not free and clear open when it comes to COVID with anything yet, especially in Illinois. But um, powerlifting has continued to grow as a sport, and it is as healthy of a sport as it has ever been. And – God, you got to give credit to some of these raw lifters and some of the weights they're doing, some of the meets they're running. I mean, mm-hmm. in general, a lot of federations are very healthy. Um, there's a lot of people making money in this sport. And, and hey, I'm not going to hate on somebody who's making money on ancillary. When we talk about, are you making money from executing the sport itself, or are you making money from your, you know, your recognition? I can't, you know, uh, Mr. Bayonet, you're not a boxing person, are you? Not generally, no. You know, Jake Paul recently had a boxing match, and I posted on my Facebook, like, yep. was that WWE style? Like, was that a was that just a show, or was that an actual boxing match? And I said, I don't particularly like Jake Paul, but you got to give him credit for using his internet yeah. notoriety to make millions of dollars, whether it's fake but or it's real. Like, I, I think Larry Wheels is a complete piece of shit, but at the end of the day, like, the guy makes a lot of money. I, re- I cannot fault him for that. I respect Jake Paul like infinitely more than Larry Wheels, and that is really oh, saying something. Absolutely, as a human, yes, but I still cannot fault the fact that they had their disciples and they make a lot of money. I mean, Jake Paul is basically a pro wrestling heel in real life. Like he's yeah. he's playing yep. the heel character, um, and he's succeeding. Absolutely, and people pay absolutely. money to see him get knocked out. Um, that's and that's the definition. That's the definition <laughs> of a heel. Um, Absolutely. So, I, I mean, and I guess in a long ways of saying, like, hey, you got to give credit to those who are using their notoriety, using their Internet fame to make a living or to make extra money. I can't hate on that. No, um, no not at all. If we can get through 2020 and 2021 and what's likely to come in 2022, because I don't unfortunately foresee all these issues we've talked about getting immediately better. I think we can get no. through just about anything in our lifetime, Mr. Bain. We're going to look back on these two or three, maybe four or five years in our life. And there, I said to Jacob in the middle of the pandemic, there has never been anything like this in my life or in your life or in your grandpa's life. Never. You will remember these years and you'll be talking to your kids when, when you have grandkids about mm-hmm. the pandemic of 2020 and 2021 and probably 2022. We'll be talking about this for 40 years. I mean, Bane, when you and I are 75 Absolutely. years old and we're running like the uh, the podcast that's beamed directly to your brain through the microchip, like we'll still exactly. we'll still be talking about the craziness that was COVID COVID 19 through the years of 2020 and 2021. And if we yes, get through this, we'll have we'll have the Starscream variant and you know all the all the well lambda 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 variant and yes. Yes. Uh, undoubtedly, I think we can get through just about anything if we can get through all of this. Um, Agreed. Family, my last point is that family has and should continue to take priority over all other bullshit in the world. 
Um, a lot of it is just bullshit. I mean, if, if Fast and Furious taught us anything, is that family is most important. Oh, gosh. I, I forgot about those memes. They were pretty big for a while there. Um, about a yeah, month. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should have a meme like that with your face on Vin Diesel's uh, – whoever is the popular character. Is that Vin Diesel, correct? It's Vin Diesel. I mean, The Rock's on there, too. Or oh, could Jason Statham. One, yeah. of, one of those. Well, I one think it was Vin Diesel that was in all the memes, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Well, I've seen maybe one of those. I'm not a big fan of those. I know that they're a big fan of those in China. China, yes. they're very big. Fast and Furious, um, except so, for number three, since Tokyo Drift. They don't like that one. Oh, sure, no problem. Uh, fa- <laughs> family should take priority over all the rest of this bullshit. Uh, yes. And let's move on. We're done with 2021, Mr. Bain. We're already moving on to next yeah. year. We got our meet set schedule set. What are your goals? for 2022. And I broke these into three goals, at least in the, the mm-hmm. context of this podcast, powerlifting, yep. business, and personal. So powerlifting, uh, I would like to get two meets in next year. I don't know if that's going to happen just based on work schedules. And you know, we were actually looking at uh, the conference schedule uh, for just the first half. And there's probably a solid almost week every month where I am doing like traveling for conferences for work. So that might present a challenge when it comes to, to training. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I definitely am not opposed to, I mean, I'm qualified for APF nationals, which will be a two XL in, uh, in June. So that may be an option for me. Uh, also I, w- I would like to, with one of those meets or, or the one meet I do in 2022, I would like to qualify for the WPO in 2023. What do you think uh, that think would take? So, uh, that's going to take at 260 pounds, a 24, 15 total. Cause that puts me right at a 600 glass burner. That's an almost guaranteed invitation. I what, may need about a six ten. What was your glass burner at to, this last meet? Uh, glass burner was five thirty nine. Okay. Uh, if I'd gotten that last squat and gotten anything over my opening bench, I would have been, uh, cl- much closer to five eighty. Okay. So, so it's, it's, so it's not a far not impossible. No, it's, it's not, um, so, yeah, it, that's what I would like to do. I, I think that is, for me, I wouldn't say, like, disqualifying is the pickle, but I just think that that would be a very cool story to go from the man, you know, behind everybody to being in front of the barbell. I think that'd be really dope. Yeah, and, I uh, mean, tomorrow is not uh, it's not guaranteed, Mr. Bain, and sometimes no. you, if if the, the chips are falling where they, they should, then sometimes you just got to gotta go for it. I mean, I'm not saying you don't yeah. have many – long years of lifting ahead of you, of course, but it seems like times undefeated, man, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) call it what it is, (laughs) but yeah, father time will eventually hit up with you. Um, and so Mm -hmm. if you can qualify and and do it, I think uh, you got to go for it when it's there. Exactly. And, and as much as I enjoy, I probably do enjoy running platforms more than I actually like competing. However, like I do feel there is still a mark on the sport that I would like to make as a lifter. And part of that, I think, is, in my view, is qualifying for the WPL. Um, I feel it's important, uh, whether everybody else agrees with me or not, neither here nor there, but I feel it's an important thing. Um, from a business perspective, there are some really cool things coming. I just can't talk about them right now, uh, but very, very excited for that. It'll be uh, just, yeah, a lot, lot of really dope stuff going going on. Um, on the personal side, like my, my goal for 22 is to just continue to make – Nicole and the kids, the priority. I, I don't think I've done a great job of that over the last few years. 
uh, for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, it was great to be home a lot during 2020. Uh, but I do think that as things started to slowly open, I, I deprioritized my family since I've been around them so much. Um, and and I, I do want to try to make sure, you know, I mentioned earlier about this, that uh, concept of my own mortality. I want to make sure that I take every chance I get to tell people that matter to me uh, that they matter and that I love them. Because uh, I think that's a really important thing, because I, and especially as like men, I don't think we do a really great job of that. I think that's kind of frowned upon. Uh, so that's something I want to try to make a conscious effort to do is to, uh, tell those who matter to me that they matter. And I just want to remind you, Eric, that you matter very, very much to me. Well, thank you, Mr. Bain. I appreciate that. And you are an important part here of what we do at 2XL. Uh, and I do appreciate you. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your, uh, help with this podcast. Um, I appreciate your help with our meets. And I think this Midwest Equipped Open was like, the the strength you could call this like the strength and anger Midwest Equipped <laughs> Open because uh, there was a lot of folks that came because of what they heard on the podcast. So if there was ever, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Mister Bain, we have not necessarily gotten rich doing this podcast, nor probably will we ever. As, and that's not, uh, probably not. If we do, if we do, like Joe Rogan, if you need some trainers, we got you, man. But perfect, um, yeah. And, and nor yeah. nor nor will we probably. I mean, I guess it's plausible. Yeah. It's it's not very. I say to my son sometimes. It's possible, but it's not probable. Um, yeah. But I will it's say a small that, chance, but it's not a zero chance. Right, yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that I think that it has helped extend uh, our message um, to <laughs> the masses and beyond the Chicago area. Um, and so I think there was a I lot agree. of people that, that came to the Midwest Equipped Open that are interested in equip lifting, um, partly as a result of you know, hearing about it on this podcast. And, and I, I've never considered this a podcast where I'm trying to like sell, sell, sell two XL meets all day long. How many, yeah. how many divisions could Robert Bain enter? Uh, no, uh, I could have entered more. I mean, if I'd done push pull and on APF, APF, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I could have been, you know, <laughs> I got some more, all the trophies. I, I got some more trophies <laughs> back there from the, all the bomb outs. So if you want a few more, <laughs> Dude, I, I, I gave one to my mom. Like, here you go. I, I gave her one of the certificates. Like, here you go, mom, just go, go put it up somewhere. <laughs> But yeah, and you've got no, my mother, and you see, she's actually really, really tiny. Yes, yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, no, you are uh, you are definitely appreciated here, well, Mister Bain, and I, I do. Uh, I, I agree. Sometimes I think as men, we're not necessarily taught to uh, express our emotions. Hence, the name of this mm-hmm. podcast, "Strength and Anger." Um, and I know that's, not that that's necessarily emotion. That's you know maybe just a a verbal recognition of things that are important to us. Exactly. Absolutely. And like I said, I, I want to make sure I always say that to, to those that matter. And so, Eric, you, you matter to me. And I would love to know, what are your, your takeaways or your, your goals for 22? Um, the first goal is similar to my goal last year. I want to compete full power again. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. again, going to make a, another goal of totaling 1650, which is very close to my, my, meet, my meet best. I don't, think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think I'm too old to continue to lift heavy weights. Um, mm-hmm. when you get to a certain point, things really have to fall in the right spot to get things where they need to be. And especially given the and not fall in the wrong spots, right. And, you know, given the, the constraints of, I can't focus solely on my own training because mm-hmm. I have to focus on others trainings. I have to focus on events we have here. So that is, that is a challenge, a continued challenge, but I'm going to compete again. I think I'm going to do AAPF nationals, but don't book it just yet. Um, yep. I'm going to think about that. Um, that's my powerlifting goal. 
My business goal is to continue building 2XL into a prosperous company and brand. Um, what? I mean, all... it's really hard. Like, is it going to tire you out? Like, are you going to be okay? Like, it's not really hard to run. Well, a I can tell you when I was bailing a hundred plus gallons of water on Saturday, I, that was not a time that I was necessarily happy to be the owner. Um, that would be a time no. when, if you're an employee, you're like, "Oh, see you later, bud. Good luck with that." Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of surprised you didn't make seven posts about it, and you know, I'm going to sure make one post about it at some point. But I did, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I should have put it in my story, my Instagram, my Facebook, all that stuff. Exactly. Um, Twitter. Yeah, I don't know. Don't, no, Reddit. Twitter. Twitter's fake news. I don't use it. Very bad. They banned me. It's very, very it's terrible. They, it's because they banned you. Very terrible. Very horrible. Uh, but you know, that from a business goal, I don't. You know, I just want to continue to try to make this as prosperous of a company as I can. And there's a number of avenues we're trying to attack there. You know, certainly continued mm -hmm. events, certainly continued training. Um, there's a couple other things we're working on as well um, that I think are going to be pretty exciting that's going to come in, in 2022. Um, and from a personal perspective, I think it's kind of similar to yours. I mean, I want to make sure that I, I take time to continue building my family relationships. Um, I think, you know, you and I are both hardworking individuals when it comes to our jobs. Um, and I think at times that certainly can become the priority. And mm -hmm. as I said, as my takeaways from 2021, at the end of the day, the, certainly this gym matters, the business matters, the meets matter, but they don't matter as much as my family because yep. there, there's going to be a time when either this gym's going to be gone or I'm going to stop working at it. And mm -hmm. uh, my kids and my family and my wife are still going to be there regardless. And I certainly want to. I want to extend that as long as I can, but uh, family uh, is something that I think you and I both agree we need to continue to build and not take a back seat to everything we're trying to do professionally and powerlifting-wise for yeah. that matter. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, and it's a constant, like I don't say battle, but it's like a constant building process. And, and if you do neglect it, which I, I've been the, you know, I've seen the result of that. Um, you know, it's tough to build it back. It's not impossible, but it is, it is tough. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, like I said, focusing on keeping those bonds very, very tight, especially, uh, you know, as your kids are growing up, you know, obviously your, your children are very different stages than mine are. Um, but it's just it, it, important in different ways, how you maintain those connections. Well, but you see, Mr. Bain, I mean, I'm sure it, it probably seems like yesterday your kids were the same age as mine. It's like, poof, one's 18 and about to go to college and poof, one's a junior junior in high school and, you know, going to be looking at yep. college. And it, I, I've always, I have always with my kids tried to appreciate the ages and the mm -hmm. stage that they were in. I, I have to admit, I'm not a big infant baby fan. I liked them when they were toddlers. <laughs> I liked them when they were young. I don't like them when they're so tiny. Um, but, you know, if you have kids, appreciate them at every stage because every stage is unique and try to appreciate the uniqueness that those stages bring you and enjoy, mm -hmm. enjoy that time with your kids because it does, it's finite and it's going to be done almost before you realize it. I, I, I think, I think Eric, you know, I've talked about this and I'll, I think I'm maybe just on the podcast, but I'll say it again. You know, a very wise man gave me this kind of uh, advice and it's a habit that I've developed uh, for certain specific events. My birthday, kids' birthdays, my anniversary, Every year I will take on those dates. So whether it's March 16th, April 2nd on my anniversary, on June 12th, my wife's birthday. I'll even think about on like July, I think it's July 19th, uh, which is the day my wife and I met. I'll just go off somewhere by myself and I'll think back to the year before and, and I'll think back to the event itself and I'll just snap my fingers. Because that I means it's really how fast it's gone. Mm -hmm. So I think about like, you know, when, 
when Austin turned 18 in September, like now I have an adult child. And, but I thought back to September 22nd, 2003 and the scared 20 and 21 year old going, you know, going to the hospital, you know, my wife getting gutted like a fish to have him come out. And like the whole pro like thinking about that, like, wow. And then they, they whisk him up to the NICU, you know, for him because he's, he's a preemie. And I'm just thinking about, I was like, holy shit. Like we've made it through all that. And now mm-hmm. here he is 18 years old accepted to college like wow so so those listening i recommend during those big light events just take a moment step aside and think about it and just snap those fingers because it goes that fast yep yep and reflect definitely yeah yeah i mean it'll be it'll be 20 20 years in july that nick and i've been together wow yes (laughs) and your wife is still with you wow that is impressive Nikki Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, that is impressive, Nikki Bain. Um, next, <laughs> next week and beyond, Mr. Bain. Um, yeah, we've talked about it. We've got a number of episodes kind of in the can. Mm-hmm. We've got um, the timeline of the USAPL's removal from the IPF. Um, I need yes. that anabolics book, Mr. Bain, so I can read it myself. And, yep, and sitting sitting down here by the chair, so it's uh, and, on its way. And start uh, taking it, a minimum of a gram of test per week. Um, that, that's what it says, right? Minimum? Uh, per day, per day. Per day, wow. Um, the yeah, new book, from... kind of like my ca- my caffeine habit, like r- roughly a gram. Oh my gosh, fuck! <laughs> you know, people have asked me about that. They're like, "Does Bane actually drink that much caffeine?" I'm like, "I believe he does, and I believe his adrenal glands have melted." <laughs> that's what I, that's my belief. It's... I mean, if, like, I'll send. P- I, I will take a picture sometime of like our recycle box before we take it outside, so you can see like how many of these I do go through. I mean, how do we get you a sponsorship for uh, what's the kind of energy drink that we've had here? I can't think Dude, of it. Make it rain, make it rain right. shy. What right. is good? Come on. How can we get you know the, the WPO hype man a spot? If there's ever a spot, you could be on the WPO. I'm saying. How about we get some, some make it rain uh, elbow sleeves? There we go. Branded elbow sleeves. And you guys could be right there in the midst of it on the WPO platform. I mean, is there anything as a better advertiser for the energy that they bring than me on the platform, scream my head off, this jackass in the blue elbow sleeves? I mean, come on now. Well, Who we could make them a different color, that? obviously. I know. Whatever you color you want, color, Rain. Whatever. Okay, now, exactly. let, let's have a quick segue because I've got two ideas that I think I, – if there's anybody out there listening – um, I've got two ideas. Uh, if anybody's got or, any, or if you want to send this episode to right. Rain or whomever, that'd be great. Oh that'd yeah, great. definitely send it to Rain. <laughs> I've got two uh, ideas that I need giant mega corporations help on. The first is I want to get a sponsorship for two individuals, Leah Reichman and Dave Hoff, and I'm looking for mm-hmm. a sponsorship from Dockers, Levi's, somebody, some apparel line. That can make Dickies, Dickies, whatever that can make big and tall stretch. Because I've got a few of these like stretch pants that got like one or two percent lycra or some kind of stretch material because they both are judges. Now we've got in the APF, we've got two of the strongest humans on the world that are judges and they will judge mm-hmm. the shit out of you. Um, but we need them, we need some pants that fit their uh, their their giant stature. Right. Yep. Yeah, they're they're unique physiques, and yes. what what better, what two better spokespeople for your big and tall, khaki pant brand 
um, than two of the strongest humans in the world, Dave Hoff. And who, the and who better to test it and make sure that it actually does what you say it does than those two. Right, when they are actually sitting there judging at an APF meet. So if somebody has a contact at Levi's or Dockers or Dickies, I don't even know who the parent company is, some of those companies. Anybody that makes pants, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're looking for some sponsorship, and we're looking for some product development with Dave Hoff and Leah Reichman. Uh, specifically, uh, my second idea, and I'm also looking for another apparel manufacturer. I would like to create a bench shirt bra. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know, yep. I don't know what needs to be in there. We we will have to do some product development with Jackie Stone and some of the others on Team Stone. Um, yep. There, if you talk to women that wear a wear wear a bench shirt, they definitely have a favorite sports bra that they wear under their bench mm-hmm. shirt. What makes that sports bra unique, and how can we take whatever the uniqueness is of that sports bra, which I don't know what it is because I don't wear bras usually, uh, how can we take that uniqueness and enhance it and then advertise that specifically? And there's another sponsor. We've got some great spots for the WPO lined up here, Mr. Bain. We've got Make It Rain Shy. We've got some kind of pant manufacturer, and then we've got some kind of bra manufacturer um, that could have the bench shirt bra. Um, those are my business ideas. If there's anybody out there that works in any giant multinational mega corporations that Bernie Sanders hates, that has, I don't know, like a couple million dollars, they want to throw my way. I'm definitely open to uh, helping you they, develop a product. They don't even need that. They would need just a couple hundred thousand. And that would be one, a game changer for the meats. Cause you have, you have all three of those. It's, it's a game game changer. Yes. Yes. Millions would be awesome. Sure. Sure. But let's, we'll, let's prove it out. We'll prove it out to you. Right. Build the stuff, get the, get the R and D, get the, get the exposure and then get the sales. There is a hundred percent of market for, for big and tall, stretchy pants, uh, for mm-hmm. big people that lift weights. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And they would be great Absolutely. spokespeople for it. It's I a mean, little bit I'm not even the biggest guy on the planet. I need stuff. Right. Yes, no doubt. Uh, just the different, like, Bane, like, I, I'm not a big guy, but, like, just the build of having, like, like bigger hips and bigger legs. Like, you need unique pants mm-hmm. for that. And it's, it's a little bit more of a niche market, but we all know that women are the drivers of buying products. Mm-hmm. And if there's, a, if there's a bra out there that is more suited for lifting weights and maybe even more specifically for lifting weights in a bench shirt, I guarantee there is a market for it. Um, and trust me, there is a... There's a rise in women's multiply lifting. This is a rising market as well. Yeah. All right. Well, anyone wants to cut that out and send it to giant multinational corporations <laughs> that can make those things, we're all for that. Um, in the meantime, uh, we've got the raw the, the transitioning episode from Raw to Equipped, yep. and I think uh, in the next few weeks, um, as we're kind of mulling through some of these longer, more researched episodes like the. Uh, Powerlifting America episode, like the Anabolics book, we definitely got an AUA on the way sometime. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, we have not. It's been a while since we didn't ask us anything. Um, I know that we've got we've gotten some good questions in the DMs, and so mm-hmm. we, we we need to kind of compile those into one episode. Um, so because of their supply chain issues, I haven't gotten as much rain lately. But I just sent you a picture of what is currently in the stash uh, to your phone. So you'll see that. That's just what, what has been delivered in the last four days. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Bain, uh, anything else to add? You know, 2020 and 2021 have been pretty unique years. I think that's the, the simple way to put it. 
uh, I highly encourage you to listen to this episode. Just take a minute and, and same thing I talked about. Just understand like what you've overcome, what you've accomplished to this point. Wh- whoever you are, wherever you are, you've lived through a global pandemic, which none of us were mentally prepared for. You, if you listen to this, I guarantee you that you you powerlift and that you have stopped going to the gym. You've restarted. You possibly have stopped again, and you've dealt with all this stuff. So my last things I'll tell you is like as you kind of finish out this year, you know, you spend some time with family or or not. Understand how mentally strong you are and how incredible you are, and then take that into 2022 because we will come out of all this. There will come a time, and this too shall pass, and all that strength that you developed over this time, this testicular fortitude, so to speak you will get to to fully realize the magnitude of it. Again, it may not be tomorrow, but it will come. All right. I think we'll end on that, Mr. Bain. If you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, leave us feedback on our Instagram account. Check out our merch store. Uh, we did have the Midwest side shirts that uh, were at mm-hmm. the meet. We have a few of those left. I'm not really big on chipping, so if you want to buy those, go to go to the website. If you want them in person, we'll probably have some extra Midwest side shirts still available for the next three, four meets. Um, if we run out, I probably will buy extras of those before APF Nationals because they tend to be pretty popular. Um, we had a special one for the Midwest Equipped Open, um, but we, we do have some of those mm-hmm. left over, and those have, those have sold well if you enjoy the Midwest side shirts. I mean, and if you show up to one of the meets and you happen to have a Strength and Anger t-shirt on, we will happily sign it for you. <laughs> I think I might even have a silver Sharpie somewhere in my desk. So I've got a gold one, so there we go. Perfect. With that, Perfect. Mr. Bain, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>